Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Human Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. Cheers. Cheers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of the Cheers to Comics podcast, where each week, two, sometimes three of your best friends are going to kick back a cold one and talk about their favorite comics of the week. Our show will have some spoilers and may contain some adult themes and language parents might not find suitable for their children. If you're cool with that, then join me, one of your hosts, Justin Jones, along with the George Gregory Allen of comics, Aww. Brian Wayne, Yo. and returning guest, Mason Fox. Hello. So, man, so how's it going, guys? It's going. It is. That it is. We have yet another large week of comics to talk about. We've been exciting a week. A very large stack. Yeah, I'm interested in what you've been reading. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, you're going to be reading some of these with us, Nathan. Yeah, that's you tell me. It's, yeah, well, we're going to make you. But in the meantime, we got well, some... But I'm going to make you play games with me. Deal. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's start out with what we're drinking, boys. We are drinking beers again this week. Something from the Winmer Brothers Brewing Company. Hefe. It's American Hefenweizen. Yeah, man, out of old Portland, Oregon. So once again, representing the Pacific Northwest. So yeah, um, I'm a I'm a happy guy, so, so I, I dig it. You guys like it? Yeah, I like it. Sweet. Um, all right. Well, on with the news. Well, just a couple of small pieces, but at the same time, I found them to be exciting. Uh, circling back to a news piece that popped up a few weeks ago. Remember, we talked about Second Coming, DC backing out. Yep. Yes. Well, they, uh, old Mr. Mark Russell found a publisher already. Right on. Boy Comics. So, yeah, exactly. What, have they done anything I've read, maybe? Probably not. No? Right. No, no, they're, they're, but they're, I mean, obviously. They're gonna. I'm going to have to look them up real quick. Yeah, no, they're going to let them, you know, it's creator controlled, obviously. Awesome. So well, I'm all for that. Yeah, man, uh, Richard Pace is going to be illustrating, so, yeah, no, it's, uh, and it's, I think it's scheduled for a late summer release, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, no, the, the whole not deal too with far the, away. Yeah, the deal with the Second Coming story was it was like a, a goofy Jesus story. And uh, that's one of their top headlines, Second Coming, out ahoy. Yep. On their website. Oh, yeah, that's big news. I bet it, I, well, I, I bet it's the huge news for ahoy. But, I mean, it's, it's huge news for the comic community because a lot of people have been really looking forward to this. So. Yeah, and I haven't heard of it, but it sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to look at what their comic section is, what they've got going on. Yeah, man. Planet of the Nerds, Bronze Age Boogie, looks like some indie titles, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, hmm. Hashtag Danger. Interesting. I just, I actually really like the art on that. I, huh. That's, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. That's, oh, sweet. Yeah, no. That's kind of like that Hardy Brothers. It's the Hardy Brothers. Nancy Drew sort of, like, vibe with, to it. With, like, Fantastic Four and, oh, like, some, some of that classic, like, you know, 1920s dime novel cover, like, style yeah. almost. 
It's very interesting. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like those are their two main, or three main ones are Bronze Age Boogie and uh, Planet of the Nerds and Hashtag Danger. Oh, well, what other news you got for us? All right. Um, a <laughs> We got a, a Wolverine book coming out. I know. Another one. Check this shit out, though. This isn't just any Wolverine book. It's a one-shot. Okay. It's a like one compilation, and it is the who's who of disappeared creators. We're talking Chris Claremont, like, um, the longest-running X-Men writer of all time. Really? So he's doing a story in there. Interesting. Um, Sam Keith. Oh, Cool. Sam Keith yeah, doing your Wolverine boy. again. So, I mean, that was enough to sell me right there. And <laughs> Larry Hanna. And you know, guy. So, yeah, no, Legends. Three Legends doing a fun um, triple one-shot. Is that a thing? It is now. I said it. Um, yeah, so I found that to be newsworthy for sure. I don't, I don't know the release date. By any means, no, sounds interesting. It's 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 always awesome to see. Well, we got to see Sam Keith do some DC stuff here this year with the the. Or, well, actually, I guess it was an IDW DC crossover with the Batman, the Max. Arkham Dreams, yeah, Max thing that still hasn't finished yet. And um, is he working on Wolverine? <sighs> I guess maybe I don't know. And. I like to think so. I like to think that's what it is. But um, beyond that, oh shit. Um, yeah, now he's going over to Marvel. So and then he, you know he's published just recently, which we'll talk about a, a tad, a hundred page, um, max whatever to try to like. It's just what Keith considers a compilation to try to get new Max readers in. So it made me wonder like, why would he be doing this? The right must now? read is Max. Right. Yeah, there's going to be more Max. Oh God, that would be. I mean, we got. I mean, we got a Max crossover with Batman, which is amazing. But like, if he's leading up, building up to a comeback, I mean, he's doing little stories and everything, bouncing over to. I mean, he's working for IDW, DC, and Marvel all in the same year. Is my point. Like, Sam Keith is back. So I don't know, man. I, I just I would love to see the Max take off again. They do. Yeah, I really would. I think it would have to be through Image, though, because I think IDW is in some trouble, which we should probably talk about at some point. But I need more information before I talk about all that stuff. Well, we will expound in the future, then. Yes, yes. All right. Well, should we uh, jump into this giant stack of books, please? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, well, let's uh, start with the indies, like we do. These are the books that released for the 13th of March, 2019. So, let's start out with Image Comics, Assassin Nation, number one, two words, Kyle Starks and Erica Henderson, the cover was done by Erica Henderson, so this was an impulse buy for me. It uh, looks like an Archie comic. It, it, it kind of has feels, that image to it, for sure. Yeah, it kind of feels like an Archie comic, if you put a whole bunch of guns and killing and... Like it, um, it, it's just that the art style is very archy. Yeah, yeah no, that's, dude, that's, that's how she rolls. Yeah, I'm So, um, did you read this one? I did. Oh, cool. Right on. So, well, I guess it's kind of give a vague introduction of the book. That's pretty much what this book is, is a vague introduction. 
we get this uh, this mysterious character that's in this position of power. Yeah. You've got this uh, pretty messed up looking dude there. He's, there's an interrogation going on. Yeah, he's talking about how he runs the second strongest or most powerful mob uh, family in the city. You know, but he used to be a hitman, and he misses being a hitman, and his name was Chekhanov's Gun, because whenever you saw him, you knew you were dead. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there seems to be this this fellow here, um, he's in this situation where he can't really trust anybody around him, is what I'm getting out of this. Like, even his bodyguards seem to be turning on him, like, or they, like, lead him into a car that's getting ready to explode or something like that. Uh, I think his bodyguards are just incompetent. Well, that that as well. But the fact is, is that yeah, he's he's not safe at this point, and right. he needs some help. So then we flash forward to this this um, gathering. He's trying to figure out who assassinated him, and who better to save him from being assassinated than assassins? They can think like an assassin, and they can save him. Right. Yes, and this is what we get at this point is this like little party. None of these people, all these people, got this invite. They clearly, you know. It's the who's who of killers. Yep. You know, it's, I, the whole time I keep pi- picturing, like, these guys all meeting up at in the um, What's-His-Face's bar, like, in Deadpool. Like, <laughs> like yeah. that's like that, that's kind of the group of guys. Or, like, the here. bounty hunters in Alita. Yeah, like the greatest exactly. hits, but greatest hits men. Right, right. Ha, aha, aha. Oh, yeah, I mean, and even in the first page, you get, like, the top 20 ranking or whatever. Worldwide assassin rankings. And then, if you, like, you're going through that, and you just kind of get an idea of what you're getting into immediately. Like, when you look at the, some of the okay, names, like... Okay, so, on second thought, really looking at, like, the assassin ranking sheet, it looks more like... GTA. I was going to say, very much like the yeah. Grand Theft Auto 3 and Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I think that was very on purpose. Oh, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, even with, like, the lettering, it just, it just feels... Oh, very much yeah. so, Yes. The, the color scheme overall for them just looks very GTA cover art. Very San Andreas. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's probably what got me. But I like the names they chose for some of these guys, like some random ones. I'll pick up some ones that don't really show up in the story, like David Bowie Knife. Yep. And we, ha- we have to mention the best one, though. Oh, we will. We will. <laughs> He's the greatest. But, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Like, I just scrolled down the page. You knew exactly what it was. That's fine, what you were <laughs> Oh yeah, buddy. So we're getting this, like, these quick meetings with all of these people. The first guy we meet is uh, Bishop. And, you know, he's retired at this point, confused as to what he's going in there. And we get this overshot panel where you just kind of see, like, a vague view of all these people. We're getting these little mini conversations. And then uh, we run into my favorite conversation. We get a fanboy who's also an assassin, but he's just like, you could tell he's a young assassin. Right, right. So he's excited he's to see our Right, because a lot of these people are retired. They're not in the game anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> uh, my favorite one, though, <laughs> is uh, Mr. Fuck Tarkington. Fuck Tarkington. <laughs> and I love the explanation of why that's his name. Dude, uh, oh, man. So picture what Show somebody me what this named, guy looks like. Well, just picture a dude named Fuck Tarkington, and that's what he looks like. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty close to what I pictured, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just some overalls. That's it. Yep. Just some overalls. Great mustache. Oh, and the uh, best oh, mustache. The best yeah. mustache. Like it looks like a like you know early 1900s boxer. Put them up. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like 
He's so many cliches in one. Oh, he's every cliche. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's great. So he goes, like, your first uh, introduction to him, he's, uh, before you walk into this party, there's, like, this tray there where it's, like, leave your weapons for everybody's safety. He's and there's, like, oh. 35, you can already see there's, like, 35 people in the party and there's, like, two or three guns on the yeah, tray, yeah, so yeah. it kind of makes you wonder right there. But the first one you see is Bishop's, like, gold-plated gun. Well, <laughs> you got to take a penny, leave a penny situation here. <laughs> so he picks up this gold gun, he just puts it in the front short pocket of his overalls, and he's, like, strutting around. <laughs> like, you can see he's just, like, strutting around the party. Just chilling. <laughs> and then we get Dave, the, the fanboy. And he's like, oh, fuck Tarkington, you're the best. Can you get an autograph? He's got his little autograph book. And he's like, can you make it out to Dave? It's D-A. He's like, man, I know how to spell Dave. And then when he hands it back to him, it's... Thanks, Dave. D-A-Y-B. Your pal, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love the explanation of why his name is his, his fuck. It's like, well, it's more of like a, the dad wanted a boy named Sue kind of situation, but he wanted something that was still, you know, masculine, so he figured fuck would be perfect. That's great. That's fucking great. That's like, great. Funny thing about Boy Named Sue wasn't actually written by Johnny Cash. That was written by Shel Silverstein for Johnny Cash. Son of a bitch. Or... Fuck. <laughs> to be more proper. <laughs> so then from there, like we, we got our we got our fucks out the way. So we get to meet my second favorite character, Fernando Pendejo. Yep. Yep. <laughs> picture, picture a guy named Fernando Pendejo. I, I do, like, and I see it. It's like um the it's like if the Jesus from the Big Lebowski <laughs> put on a suit. Nobody fucks with. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the, yeah, close. and uh, yeah, um, our, our 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 fanboy Dave comes up to. <laughs> I love this autograph book so much because he comes up to Fernando Bendejo and he asks for an autograph, and he comes back, "Fuck off, cabron." <laughs> so, <laughs> poor Dave. But then we poor get Dave. The, <laughs> poor Dave. <laughs> Dave. And then we get the meeting. Um, we get our. Uh, I yeah, can't Dave remember because that B is capitalized. It could just be Dave B. <laughs> Right. Uh, Rankin, that's our guy's name, the the mob boss that's looking for protection. Okay. So at this point, everybody's in the room. Um, he was, uh, he's actually he'd been waiting for Fernando Pendejo to show up the whole time. He wanted to make sure everyone was there. He's the last one to arrive, and he explains like, look, everyone's fucking up. I got, I need some help. I'm gonna hire you guys. I'm right. gonna pay you your rate all every you. day. Yep. And then bef- the next thing you know, like everybody's got guns out and they start shooting at him. Right. And the other 34 people in the room right. pull out their guns. So you start weeding out characters immediately. And my first initial thought was, if fuck Tarkington dies right now, I'm, I'm out. To, I'm, I'm out. Car. <laughs> <laughs> you can't kill fuck. You can't kill fuck. But but the comic does end with Fernando Pendejo's brains all over the floor. Aww. Yeah. Oh, no. It's I great. guess you can fuck with the Jesus. You, oh, yeah. He got fucked with hard. It, yeah, it's very colorful, vibrant. Violent. Yes. This is this is the character design is on point. It's great. Uh, it's so it's imaginative. I like the fact that it is very. Uh, it's adult for sure, but coming off in an Archie Comics type of style. Yeah, for it's sure. Like it's, oh. it's a very image book. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yes. No, this is an image book for sure. So. I I think we started out the week strong. I was I'm not gonna lie, guys. I was in a. Uh, a shit moon. I got some bad news before it was all like comic book day and everything. So I went and 
I'll be damned if after I didn't or after I got through this book, I was just my I, I could just I plowing through the rest of them from here. This book put me in a good fucking mood. That's I took fuck a lot because twerking time. Golly, that's never gonna get old. Moving along. Next we have birds, little birds, little birds. From Image. We got Darcy Van Hogies, Hogies, Ian Bertram, and Matt Hollingsworth. Yes, we do, and the cover by Bertram and Hollingsworth as well. So, uh, as a matter of fact, I believe that Ian Bertram is coming to Mile High Comics for Free Comic Book Day to do a signing. I believe. Nice. I believe. I could be wrong. It might be a variant cover artist. Shit. I, c- I could have just made a fool of myself. Regardless, there's somebody attached to this book that's going to be doing a signing at Free Comic Book Day. Mm, in front of the cover, doesn't say anything about... Uh, there, it might be a, an exclusive variant. Huh? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm sorry, but, uh, yeah, no, go ahead. This book was another, um, impulse buy for me. This is a good surprise. It's already, in a, this one. it's already in a second print. Like, I picked it up, and halfway through, I was like, yeah, no, this is something I think Justin would do better talking about. It's just that everything about it's different. Like, it jumps you right in the middle of a story for it being does, number definitely. one. So, like, we're in the middle of a war-torn situation. We've got a changing of the guard. Instead of the United States of America, we now have the United Nations of America, which and is controlled by this, like, almost, like, Spanish equ- Inquisition America. Right. Where the Va- Vatican is now in America, and it's just all kinds of weird stuff. All completely related. And we've got this, well. like, almost indigenous rebel group from the Rocky Mountains of Canada. Yes. Yeah, so yes. it's different. Um, but we have this woman, you know, she's rallying her village for the, to rally the troops for the fight. She sends her daughter underground with a, with a watch or a clock or a pocket watch. Like a pocket watch, yeah. yeah. And, you know, saying, if, you know, when you get out, go to the axe. Follow the plan. Free the axe, uh, save the world, something, something. Like, right. there, there's, a, there's a whole note to it. I screwed up by not writing it down. But, yeah, no, that's, that becomes like the mantra for, throughout the whole book. It's re- repeated several times, but... Um, Set up, yeah, no, it's but the big thing right now, the whole point of the no, we the axe, save the people, right? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Save the world, yeah, there you go, Canada, and so yeah, there they are in Canada, and she's on her way to free the axe. And immediately, you think, like, oh, they literally mean free the axe because they go up to this big glass case, right? Yeah, but for before that, she's got to sneak her way in there, doesn't she? Yeah, she's in a penitentiarium of uh, the genetically modified, yep, and you have this, like, kind of poetic moment about how this hunter turned into a wolf because the village couldn't find any food to hunt. And one by one at night, this hunter who was turned into a wolf would kill one of the wolves and drag it back to the village until they were all gone. And then when the hunter left as the wolf, I said, well, why would you leave? Well, because winter is soon over, and you will thrive again. And I am the wolf. But, so we got this wolf following her, and then we see, like, just this mess of blood and gun love and just sitting there. And we think, oh, no, the little girl got got. No, she got the wolf. And, you know, this little girl sneaks in, steals a robotic arm. From uh, the, the, the surveillance guard. Right, yeah. right. And uses the wolf skin to sneak across and uses his hand to get access in there. And, again, we've got that glass case, a bunch of different weapons. She grabs this giant axe. And she's just dragging across the prison. And then we find out why she's there. And there's this giant, scarred-up dude with a Canadian T-shirt. Canada Claus. Yeah, it's, yeah, pretty much. 
Well, Canada applause. <laughs> All right, yeah. This is security officer's last day, though. There's a special forces team on their way to eradicate everybody in the prison. They're not, not asking questions. They don't care who's who. They're killing everyone. And he, this is his last night. He wants out of here, but he can't get out until he has his other hand. Mm. But he starts hurting the little girl, Aww. and the axe breaks out. Bam. And he is brutal. And there is a battle, and we see that this little girl is also brutal. Awesome little combat. Yeah, she's all ninja and flipping around and cutting people. And this book takes a turn to super gore. Uh, Very often, yes. Like, yeah. Um, We get this weird kind of, I'm not sure what that one scene is. quite a bit of entrails there. Yeah. Yeah. Even spilling off panel. Right. Like, even the panels are pretty much all lined with entrails. Yeah, I see that. Part of the design at this point. It's like Kill Bill. I, I, I can speak Tarantino masturbating to this a little bit. Oh, yeah. oh boy. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, I'm sure Tarantino masturbates to Kurosawa, to Kurosawa. Like, Akira Kurosawa is definitely his spank bank material. Well. Like, talking about Yojimbo and Seven Samurai. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, like, those are bedtime stories for Tarantino and also spank bank material. Fair. Fair. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, what did you think about this comic? Um, you know, I'm gonna, uh, I'm intrigued, I'm gonna g- at least give it one more issue. Yeah. This isn't typically my type of story. The art was very unique. Everything uh, about it looks very unique, and the story sounds actually pretty intriguing. Yeah. yeah. No, this is something that I think both of you would definitely jump on, that's why I... And if you're somebody listening to this and you're kind of intrigued, but not sure, wait for our review. I think this would be a great trade book so far. It's gearing up to be. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's already in the second printing, and it hasn't been a week yet, so. That's awesome. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more Image Comics, Outer Darkness number five, John Lehman Afu Chan. I got the Afu Chan cover as well. This story is progressing nicely. I like how it starts out in the beginning. It's all bound chicka bow wow. Ogway's trying to get boned. Aliens vibe from it. Yeah. Ogway's trying to get him some. He is, and we've, you know, got this. Hot cat girl, but wait, the only cat girl we knew was the shriveled up uh, future teller, was right? Oh, yep, yep, yep. It's and all it is. a trap. It seems to be like some kind of spell in her chambers. Yep. So before Argoy could even get his uh, willy wet, I don't even think it would have got wet. We get all hands on deck. Oh, <laughs> we get all hands uh, on deck. We get his willy dusty. <laughs> yep. Um, whoop, 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 right alert. So everyone's got to go to deck. Yep. And, um, they, you know, I guess to fast forward real quick, they crash land on some ice planet. Right. The reason that they crash land is because their cargo they just picked up, which was another person who was possessed by a powerful demon, just broke out. Mm-hmm. But they don't believe that anybody, that he could have broken out, that somebody had to free him. Right. So, but, you know, we, we crash land and we have a... There's some fuckery afoot. The captain is keeping a certain amount of team to look at the ship, see if they can do repairs and salvage if they can. Another part of the team is sent to try to find some kind of shelter because it is already way too cold, and as soon as nightfall comes down, they will all freeze to death. And they don't have nearly enough environmental suits. Exactly. That's well, the big thing. If, when the hole blew in the ship, all that storage went out. Yep. So at this point here, we get... Um, Pretty much pe- uh, a whole lot of blaming each other, going back and forth. Uh, First officer is Fatalis, still doesn't trust Riggs, Riggs doesn't trust Fatalis. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's There's a whole lot of drama on the old ice planet here, a whole lot of double-crossing, and it's... Definitely. I mean, without giving 
everything away. And it's there's well, we already knew a little bit about Shinda. We already oh, know we totally he's got some kind of dark secrets going oh, on. Oh yeah, it's like somebody was very Elox, who was already a brutal god in his time. So two yeah. very suspicious motherfuckers. Oh yeah, I mean, there's even a point when uh, that, that's Shin, right? Yep. Yeah, no, he's like whispering over to Elox. He's like, oh yeah, no, it's it's about to get super messed up around here. Yeah. Like he's like giving the indication. Like, Elox tell like. Yeah, something's up. Yeah, but I'm not even sure, like, Elox is cool with what he's cool with, you know? So, like, there's... I don't know. We like, don't know. There's a yeah. lot. It's hard to say at this point. This was an interesting issue, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we definitely got a bit of a turn. Like, I thought that it would, like, lead us on with this whole shinding for a while, try to make us forget about it, and then bring it back. But no, they're just jumping straight into it. Yeah. And, you know, they have all this story with Italis. I thought they were really going to keep him around, but no, it's... Go ahead and off him. It yeah. sounds very much like uh, uh, someone who was very inspired by Yakuza stories from Japan because a lot of those are filled with the very same thing. It's it's less action-oriented until it is straight-up betrayal and, you know, double-crossing, and it happens a lot, and you don't know who to trust throughout any Yakuza story. No, that makes sense because that's pretty much been the pace of this entire book through five issues. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it only gets interesting when there's, like, some disagreement within mm-hmm. the same crew. Yeah. I mean, I like that they've, they've created an interesting story. I love the setting, and I like the way the art delivers it. It's so basically, you don't know whose allegiance is to who, or everyone might be out for themselves. Really, or. the only thing that I think I'm sure about this book is that um, Captain Rig- Briggs and Ogway are cool with each other. Other than that, at this point, I don't trust a goddamn soul. Okay. But I, I, I'm fairly certain that Ogway and Briggs, because Briggs is... Or Agwe has stuck his neck out for Briggs way too many times to the point where, like, he's lost his job. Right. You know, under indictment, I think, is how the first issue even, like, turned out for, uh... Yeah, because they, 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 yeah, they had a mutiny. Yeah. And then it turns out, he, you know, Briggs ends up getting his own ship, and it all works out for him, but, yeah. the, you know... It's Only like, if Agwe can come with him. Exactly, yes. And I, I, I'm, I'm fairly... But other than that... The rest of these relationships, like, yeah, no, I, you're, I don't trust any of this shit. It's all about to be double-crossy, because now that you mentioned that pattern there, it makes me wonder, because that really has been the tone. It, definitely, if you have issues. the chance, one of my favorite movies, um, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but, oh, man, what is his name? Uh, Takashi Kitano. Um wrote and directed and starred in Outrage and Beyond Outrage. And Beyond Outrage picks up directly as a sequel to Outrage, um, and it is a Yakuza story that, from beginning to end, I mean, you have to deal with subtitles, but from beginning to end, it is, who can I freaking trust here? Who is, what, who who uh, has an allegiance with who? What is going on? It is insane, and it is one of my favorite ones. Yeah. And also, if you if you want any reference for Takashi Kitano, um, I don't know if either of you ever saw the I think it was two thousand five, maybe two thousand six, Zatoichi. No, no, um, I not seen it. Great, great rendition of Zatoichi. Fantastic. Once again, written, starring, and directed by. Sound bitch. Cool. All right, man. Well, that was, that was a lot of. That's a lot to go back on. <laughs> um, all right. Sorry, segue. No, no, I you're fine. Man. You're fine. Tangents are good. No, absolutely. That's a lot of new information. I know I could have delivered. So this next book here is super hype. A lot of people have been looking forward to this for a while. At least a lot of people in my circle. Transformers is back. 
Transformers number one. Brian Ruckley, Angel Hernandez, Cashier Whitman, and uh, Joanna LaFuente, I believe. And these are coming back. Oh, man. This book. Alright, so I didn't know what I was going myself into with the Transformers book. I had a feeling it was going to be very slow-paced and world-building and all of that stuff. Well, this was. But in a way that was very, very intriguing. Very intriguing for a brain like mine. Normally I wouldn't be into it, but this... It this felt old, but still modern. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So this actually, this story takes place before our uh, robots in disguise make it to Earth. Mm-hmm. Before the Autobots, before the Decepticons. Yeah, but so it's more revolving around Energon cubes and all Spark on their home planet, right? Yeah, this is yeah, this is on uh, Cybertron, and this is before Orion ever even takes up the Optimus Prime. Okay. Vehicle. So we get an introduction. The, the the main part of this story. There's two parts of the story involving uh, each each. Uh, scenarios involving three characters. One of them being Rubble, which is a newborn. Yeah, the newborn. The newest Transformer. Right. And his mentor turns out to be Bumblebee. Bumblebee is on his way to take... I guess there's a total of seven characters involved. Well, there's no humans, right? No humans. No, no. All Cybertron. All Cybertron. Yep. Yep. So... uh, Bumblebee is on his way to take Rubble to see... Uh, brainstorm, so that he can kind of figure out what his place is going to be on Cybertron. What like, form he's going to take. But like, uh, Brainstorm is pretty much the sorting hat. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and meanwhile, um, uh, Windblade, she, uh, she just, like, shows up, and she's like, oh, I'm on my way. Like, uh, so, I'll join you. Yeah. So we get that whole scenario, which I found to be really cool. Like, we're, uh, is. I mean, without completely telling you, you know, verbatim what's going on, it's a very, like, big brother, little brother type of scenario. Like, oh, no, this is what we do. And, like, you see Rubble, like, stumbling and fumbling, trying to get his new robot legs together. And meanwhile, Bumblebee's like, look, man, it's cool, dude. We live a long life. you got a lot of time to learn. We're on our way to brainstorm. Yeah, like That's why we're walking. But the thing is, is that, like, he is very punctual. So, you know, we got to, like, show him that, you know, we're all about it. But at the same time, like, he's not going to force you anything you don't want to do. Like, he's going to make sure you find your place proper. And I, I just I just found, like, the tone of that whole story that I would normally be like, well, that's boring as shit. I was like, oh, this is interesting, man. This is cool. Maybe it's just because, you know, it's, it's Bumblebee and right. a new Transformer. I believe, I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of Rubble before? Is Rubble a new character? The name sounds very familiar, honestly. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't I, know. I'll, I'll take a second to look it up while you two are discussing I'm yeah. definitely not the most uh, educated on the Transformers. Right. But I like it because there's a good mixture of characters I definitely know and a couple that I don't know. And if they're not new, it's a good introduction for me. Right. The other half of the story, though, was um, Ironhide and Orion having, like, this conversation. They're like, so check it out. Like, Megatron's about to roll up in here. I don't think he's in a good mood, bro. And, like, he's new. Yeah, baby. So we got a Rubble is, uh, according to the Transformers TF uh, wiki, he is a new Transformer from the 2019 IDW portion of Generation 1 continuity. First appearance, baby. Cool. I should have gone out and got cover A and then... Shit. All right. Well, that's awesome, though. So... Yeah, I mean, and this was just added... Uh, 
recently. I can't. I, I had the. Oh yeah, I had it the on because anyway, it came out yeah. last week. Hell yeah, man. Well, it says that like uh, Brian Brian Ruckley actually was discussing the existence of Rebel as early as January of 2019 already. Oh, well. There's an interview um, on the Transformers wiki. Gotcha. So he's been teased. You just threw him in the first issue right off the bat. I like how they started out the story. Like, new story, new character, baby. This is this is what we got. So let's go over to the other side. Uh, we got the whole, uh, before we get to the end of the the Bumble Rumble. Yeah, we got Matron <laughs> and Orion talking. Right. Orion is, you know, before he became Optimus Prime. And they're talking about a speech that Megatron is going to give, but they're, they keep showing like, this crowd of, of robots or Transformers talking about they're protesting for ascensions. See, and in this whole conversation, I picture, like, Professor X and uh, Magneto oh, type totally, of yeah. scenario. Like, they're brothers, they're cool, but at the same time, they don't... They have a history. Right. No, yeah, exactly. But they're on opposite sides. Right. And Rogers and Stark. And Ironhide just plays a cool kind of, like... A third man in that situation. I, the one of the scenarios is just like the as Megatron's like, oh, I'm out. Ironhide's coming back in. You get like the shoulder shrug, and Ironhide's just like, uh, not the success. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was pretty good. I don't know because I mean, I I was gonna say if you go up into the X Men lore and you really think about um, X and Magneto, you would discuss. You you would really kind of. Depending on which one, you'd have to discuss. Uh, depending on which rendition, you'd have to discuss. Do they want to? Are they doing the same ends through different means, or do they want different ends through the same means? And here it seems like Ironside wants totally different ends. What do you mean, Megatron? Uh, Me- Megatron. Yeah, I, po- I apologize. I don't know why I misspoke there. Yeah, no, it's uh, like uh, they, that's the thing is, uh-huh. like it always seemed like they kind of wanted the same ends through different means, except for that. You know, multiple times where Magneto said no humans, but <laughs> right, except for that whole thing. <laughs> but there were several times when he didn't. Yeah, no, I get you there. I get you there. Yeah, I don't know what the the it whole. It kind of seems like a civil rights type of thing where Megatron is you know fighting for his people and for his things. You know, what is ascension? Uh, I yeah, I don't really. I don't I'm know. Covered, I, yeah. I'm okay. sure there are people who, who do know, but I'm still. A little foggy on that. At least as far as this series goes, right, it has right. not been covered. Uh, I but feel I like this point between is like the security type of Transformers and like the working force, right? And so it's like different class. Yeah, it could be like the whole unionizing type. Of right. Thing. It could Unfortunately, be. it seems like these kind of protests are inciting violence. So Orion, Optimus Prime, is trying to goad him into like, hey, I understand what you're trying to do. Maybe we can try to make this a little bit more peaceful. Right. And just, you know, and oh, and then, yeah, no, absolutely. The, no, I will not be silenced. Absolutely, the X and Magneto um, description is apt. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, so at this point, you kind of like, you get the, the, the tension out of the room, and then it jumps back to the Bumblebee and Rubble, and they arrive to brainstorm. The only thing is, uh, something ain't right. Kings is bad, yeah. Uh, they're. Yeah, it's, uh, what did I see, uh, Brainstorm, the Rubble ends up find, finding Brainstorm, and he seems to be damaged. Possibly, yeah. uh, no, he's not dead, he's, he's, no, he moved. Looks so, pretty beat up, though. No, he's, he's, a he's, he's messed up, for he's sure. Some better days. So bad stuff happens. Yeah. So, we, I, I and then we get yeah, this. who's this other blue guy? Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, 
Um, I would actually say that if you're someone that has always been interested in Transformers, but you weren't around in the 80s and just, just you feel like it's overwhelming to try to learn everything Transformers, I like how they started this out as a Transformers story before Earth is ever even involved. Okay, we're getting well, origins, kind of. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get really all want. of them, but... There's really one thing I really want out of the Transformers story is I want to know what are the things they transformed into before they had to disguise themselves for humans. Right, and I think what we're going to see real quick is just based off the teaser cover we see, we see another Transformer that we're not familiar with, and she's got wheels and stuff on her, so you kind of get an idea that she transforms into something. There's still yeah. vehicles, but I think maybe we'll see like a little bit more alien, a little bit more futuristic you know, design. It'll no, be very I'm, interesting. I, I'm very intrigued. I'm very, very intrigued. Yeah, this is for anybody who's into the Transformers, whether you know, you're know you an old fan, new fan. And I'll definitely say that they went the, went the distance on the artwork, oh, internal and external. Did not disappoint. It's amazing. Um, I actually exceeded my expectations... Way more than. Well, I mean, I have. I, I honestly, when you said that there was a, a new Transformers comic coming out, I kind of expected. I have an old couple of Micronauts, yeah, comics, and I just kind of expected that exact thing is because Micronauts and Transformers, if you look at the designs, are very, very, very similar. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I get you there. Yeah, I know. This was a. I didn't expect that book. I delivered. For sure. Looks good. Um, more image. So we're rounding out a four-part four part series that I've been talking about since the beginning. we got Spawn Kills Everyone 2, number four. Todd McFarlane and Will Robson. Oh, boy. <laughs> this book is a... Oh, man. It's a, it's a shit fest. Like, literally. There's just so much shitting going on in this book. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. All right, so Clownos has the Infinity Gauntlet minus one Infinity Stone. And from here on out, it is his mission to try to finish off Spawn. Um, in the wackiest form of events possible that Todd McFarlane's brain could come up with, he put him all the remaining stuff that he didn't put in the first three issues in this one. Continues to kill off, seeming mostly the Justice League, maybe snaps the Yopsha's head. So, yeah, no, and then, long story short, okay, how did baby the Spawn prevails. How did the Violator and Thanos come together? Thanos, bro. Yeah, how? Oh, it's a comic book. Yeah, but how? I think they're ripping on the Infinity Warps. Yes, that's very possible. Well, no, I think. get that, but, but how? The Infinity Warps. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I can't explain this one, Mason. I'm going to have to leave that one up to everyone else to decide. I don't know. I I'm, just, I'm going to go ahead and say that, you know, the Violator somehow convinced Thanos to sell him his soul, and the Violator just took over Thanos. And that will make me keep myself a little bit more sane at night. That could be what happened. Didn't say that didn't happen, if that makes you feel any better. Well, this is what I think happened, and I oblige everyone to follow what I think. We know. So, you know... Do as I say and as I do. I can't yes. do both. Yes. You can totally rub your stomach in a circular motion and pat your head at the same time. I could. <laughs> Ain't gonna. Oh man. So yeah, no, this uh this this book 
turned out, you know, the, the hero prevail, prevails, all because the little baby spawns decided to paint themselves like Infinity Stones and hide themselves into the gauntlet when Clownus wasn't looking. And when you try to go snap with little baby spawns and they're painted like M&Ms, the same thing doesn't happen that Infinity Stone would cause, or six of them for that matter. So, yeah, and that's how Spawn wins. <laughs> that makes total sense. All right. Based on how this story went, I don't think it could have ended any differently. Yeah. And just the wackiest, fucking goofiest way possible. It was a weird start, and it sounds like a weird ending. Oh, no, it got weirder as it went on, man. There wasn't as many cameos as in this one. Like, we saw Green Lantern, um, a Predator, and um, Flash all get their... Their faces busted in. Other than that, that was that was pretty much it. It was mostly about Spawn having second thoughts about his little baby Spawns and going to retrieve them after all. And yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, anytime you sharts uh, Thanos to death, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> the fucking scene was ridiculous. Yep. Oh man, let's move on to something. Murder uh, Falcon. A little more metal. Murder Falcon number right. six. Exciting in the comics. Yes, Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer are back. Golly, I almost wish this was weekly. I do. Wish I that. would. I would be sold. Yeah. Oh man. Um, I think it's actually safe to say this is my favorite comic right now. Definitely. Mason, this is the best comic you're not reading. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. So good. So we get uh, Helmdar in front of the band that is Bruticus explaining, look, I want to join your band. Yeah. And check out my... A band from Sweden. Yes. We got killed, except for me. Yep. Yep, they're all dead. Except for him. He's the remaining one. Him and his boy Oslug. Murder Falcon vouches for Oslug immediately. He's like, dude, if there's anybody that like we should be stoked to have on our team... It's Oslog's the, the man. Oslog is solid. And, and he is like the coolest design in the whole comic. Yep. Oh, yeah, man. So, after the whole introduction, um, Helmdor looks over at the, the VCR tape that they see, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know the way. Yeah, you know what I know. So, they're like, all right, let's go there. And they go to what they... Um, uh, what are they called? Uh, the, the, the horn... Oh, the horn of the dead. Horn of the dead, right. So, yeah, now they have, like, their ship captain taken in there. Like, so they have to get there by boat. And then as soon as the ship captain drops them off, you instantly see some fuckeries about to be afoot. Cause yeah. You, you get on the radio, like, they're here. They're here. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Check out the fucking horn of the dead, dude. I see that. So as soon as they arrive, um, like I said, we get the... Uh, immediately the double cross with the ship captain... And they sense Magnum Chaos is there waiting for them. It's yes, like he is. Rap. And yeah, so they have to bust out the the jams and god damn, they have to get through this this uh, array of like tentacle type of wormy uh, these wormy tentacle monsters. Yeah, yeah. they're trying just trying to block the entrance to the Horn of the Dead. Meanwhile, Magnum Chaos really just wants Jake because Jake has the, the way to get in. The answers to that, the key. He knows the rift. Yes. So, yeah, no, so it's Magnum Chaos is trying to split Jake up from the rest of the band. Turns out to be successful at one point. Uh, when they get split up, Jake's girl 
um, gets teamed up with Helmdor. And, like, one thing I forgot to, to mention, I guess it's kind of important, Hel- on the boat ride out there, Helmdor and Anne, Jake's girl, yep. there's, like, a lot of not respect going on. There's a little bit of tension there. Right. Now she approaches Heimdall, like, hey, I know I know it may not seem like it, but I know what you're going through. How how would you know? You don't even play an instrument. Why are you here? You're useless. You're not even rock and roll. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, once they get split up and they realize, like, oh, shit, it's up to us, we get this moment of, oh, definitely the most awesome moment in the book. Definitely. When he... <laughs> <laughs> so good. He hands him the fucking. He's like, well, do you want to be a band member? And she's like, well, I don't play an instrument. He's like, oh, you make his needs a front man or woman. She's like, well, I don't sing. It's like, who says you need to sing? Look at this. Look at this, Mason. Oh wait, I missed it. That was supposed to be way cooler. <laughs> she unleashes her beast, man. Really Just a scream. Just a, a roar. With the tears and the emotion, like, the way that was drawn was so perfect. Very and it's, it's enough to just blast through that first wave of tentacles that's needed for... Brutal. Oh, man. That's enough for Helmdar and... Uh, oh, shit. What's his, what's his dude's name? Oh, I forget. Oslin? Oslin. Yeah, that scream is enough to... Uh, yeah, for Helmdar and Oslin to get yeah, through. Break through the ranks and... And grab Jake's guitar that got smashed and get it back to Jake. Yeah, Magnum Chaos breaks um, Jake's guitar. Murder fucking like Murph. Like it, he goes down. Yeah. Like we don't actually we don't know what's up with Murph like, at this is, point. Is Murph out for a while? Yeah. Oslin and Heim and what's his name? Heim Helmdar. Helmdar. That they're 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 gone. They sacrificed themselves to get that back. They did. They did. That was their last move to go back and get that broken guitar because they know that Jake needs Murph. Yep. To get through there. Murph has is a secret to stopping him. Yep. Yep. I think Murph's arm's the key. And I think that's even, I think even Magnum Chaos. Yeah, they showed that, like, that one time. It's like, I want your chicken's arm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep, pretty much. They show his arm as a weird robotic yeah. key. But then, as if that's not all enough, we realize that this book is so much more than metal. Because you turn the page, and as the band realizes that Helmdar. Gone, right? Their cat, their boat is gone uh, too. The uh, captain is gone, but then he comes back, and uh, we see t- um, sh- oh, Shoichi Takeshi, Shohei, yeah, Shohei Takeshi, Japanese symphonic, so harmonic or symphonic, yeah, there you go, something like that. So, so it's not rock and roll, man. I think the captain wasn't radioing Magnum Chaos. I think he was radioing this guy. You think so? I think so. Because it's the same captain. Like, that's who he was really calling. Oh, shit, you're right. Oh, I didn't notice that was the same captain on there. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Good call, man. Yeah, no, so you realize that, how, how broad this story could be at this point. They could bring in all aspects of music. Any genre they want. Any genre, man, could help defeat Magnum Chaos. I mean, the, the violin is very, <laughs> very well placed, because you have a lot of genres I, of metal that have that. I mean, just coming to mind is Flesh God Apocalypse. I, I just, that was the last thing I saw coming at this point. I want to know who his musical Digimon is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Digimon. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they remind me of, you know, it's just, a monster creature from another dimension tied to this instrument. Yeah. Yeah, no no doubt. I can't wait for... I, yeah, it makes me think of... I think I brought it up before. Like, the stands from... Uh, the stands from JoJo, which is... Everybody has a weird spirit attached to them. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same diff. Yeah. For sure. 
Did you have any more indie comics that I missed? Um, none that I think I'm equipped to talk about, no. All right, cool. Well, that was a strong week for indies, for sure. A heavy Heck, week. yes. And there was, like, four or five more I didn't even talk about. But, yeah. But, moving on to DC, I say we start with uh, Red Hood. Red Hood the Outlaw. We do have Red Hood Outlaw. We've got part one of The Prince of Gotham. The story is written by Scott Lobdell, art done by Steven Segovia, and the colors done by Rex Lucas. Yes. So, new team, I think. Uh, we start off on Jason Todd is back in Gotham. And he is on an interview on the local news because he is the new owner of the Iceberg Lounge. That's right. He is now the proud owner of Penguin's old casino. That's crazy. Of course. You know, it sounds like he's gearing up for his Outlaws team again. We already know he had Wingman, and we know he had Bunker. Okay. But now he's also hired the Sue Sisters, which would be, I believe, Susie... Anastasia, Knight, and I'm forgetting one, just a moment, and Candy. Okay. And Blanc. Okay. So, yeah, we've got kind of a new team. There, There's eyes and ears in the casino. They're having their pulse to the criminal underground. Well, during this interview, guess who uh, is watching? None other than Alfred himself. Oh, man. So now, Bruce knows that Jason Todd is back in Gotham. It's not long before Jason Todd is alone in his office, and who is he visited by? None other than Batman. Batman's already threatening him. You know, I said, stay out of Gotham. What you did was messed up. You shot Penguin in the face. He doesn't deny it. He just says that Penguin cornered himself, and he took advantage of it. Son of a bitch. He says, well, what are you going to do, Batman? Are you going to handcuff me? You're going to turn your son? You're going to explain to him why you're turning your son into Arkham? Hey, while I'm in Arkham, maybe I'll, uh... Carousel with our friend Joker. Oh, man. And Batman leaves angry. Jason Todd says, I, I think that went well. I think that went well. He would. And he's just talking about how, hey, he didn't lie. Penguin <coughs> did put himself in the corner, and Jason Todd did take advantage. And we've got this awesome scene of uh, behind the aquarium, you've got the penguin banging on the glass. He can see everything. Oh, snap. Not dead. Not dead. So for this being a new artistic team, that's still a pretty solid... Oh, uh, the art is is good. The the art's definitely great in there. I just think that's funny, though, that Batman thinks Penguin is dead. I don't know, because they they talk about uh, in issue 24 how Jason Todd is accused of shooting Penguin in the face. I didn't read issue 24. I picked this up at issue 25. I guess I should go back and do a little research, maybe. Maybe. But... I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, folks out there, but I believe the Penguin is believed to be dead. Okay. Well, that's cool. what it seemed like with Batman's accusations there. It's the, yeah. only, the, only, the only thing Batman would have against anyone doing anything is killing someone else. Yeah. I mean, so if, if he didn't believe that Jason Todd killed him, then I don't think he'd actually have a problem with him. Hmm. I mean, I know that Batman's never liked the vigilante anti-hero that, that Red Hood is, but doesn't like his methods because he's Batman's the same. Oh, yeah, he's well, Batman is the same in the many regards, though, just but not... Red Hood will use a gun. Yes, this is true. Well, Batman will too, but that's variance and well, let's, uh, reality. Well, let's talk about that. How about the Grim Knight, number one? Batman with guns. Batman with guns. Scott Snyder, James Tinney in the fourth, Eduardo Risi, and Dave Stewart. Um, the jock cover is amazing. There's also an 
incredible variant to this as well. So this is uh, a tie-in to the Batman Who Laughs mm-hmm. story. And as we all know in the metal story, uh, the Grim Knight was introduced. And a lot of people consider the Grim Knight to be the most dangerous alternate version of Batman because he is the Batman that, let's say, back in that alley that... I think every, everyone's heard that story once or twice. Let's just say that little Bruce picks up the gun after his parents are murdered, and he decides to shoot that fucker in the face. Yep. Well, you get a whole different kind of Batman in you reality. You get a vengeful, violent Batman. Right, but this is not just a, a Batman that uses guns. He uses his resources more than anything, and that's what this book flexes. It's showing what... Bruce Wayne, not Batman, Bruce Wayne is capable of doing to control the city without realizing what's going on. Everything's run under Wayne Enterprises. If Bruce Wayne wants to use his tech to just completely uh, take out a car, like make it veer off a bridge, he can do that. When no one will know any different. Oh, it's a malfunction. Yep, exactly. And even then, they, he would find out a way to make it non-traceable back to him. Right. So it's just showing that. But then you realize that throughout all this, um, you kind of, you see, well, every Batman has to have a bad guy. Well, in this alternate reality, it's not a Joker. It's Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon is the son of a bitch that's just, just the bane of Bruce Wayne's existence. Wow. Yeah. So the the opening scene to this book is Batman taking this mysterious hooded figure through the sewers, and if you've been reading Batman Who Laughs, you know that the tie to the sewers would be Jim Gordon's son is pretty much the guy that is in charge of designing the sewers under Gotham, or the guy running the the sewers under Gotham. Like he okay. knows the sewers under Go- Jim's son knows the sewers under Gotham more than anything, and that was explained in the oh. Batman Who Laughs number two. So this is all tied in. This isn't just a complete one-shot, which I love. And throughout all this, you realize that the Batman who laughs is the one kind of motivating uh, the Grim Knight through all of this. And when the Grim Knight, when you realize this hooded figure, um, who he is at the end of all it all, I said that great, is Jim Gordon. Grim Knight goes to pull the trigger, and then probably maybe my favorite panel of the week, I don't know, I can't say that for certain, uh-huh. But you see the Batman who laughs finger <coughs> come out and stop the trigger, the hammer from firing. Oh, right there. Just that tiny little panel there. And he's like, check it out. We're, we're going to... Because they are in our universe at this point, trying to take out our Jim Gordon. Right. So Jim Gordon has no idea. He's like, I don't know you, bro. Why is Batman attacking me? Well, he clearly knows it's not that Batman, because, like, he's... Like, they actually gave him, like, the, the Frank Miller Dark Knight chin, which I really love throughout this. Yeah. So this is... I, I hope that they stick with this distinction, like, right there. That doesn't say Frank Miller yeah. Dark Knight. And I like that, because, like, this is, like... even the same costume, almost. Almost. Without the color scheme, but, yeah. It's like a Punisher-style Batman. It is. It, it is, pretty much. It's, yeah, Absolutely. And then you realize that, you know, this isn't a Grim Knight story. This is still very much a Batman Who Laughs story, and he's using the Grim Knight to fuck with Jim Gordon to get to Batman. Yeah. And it's, it's, he's like, the Grim Knight's like, you think I would let him just kill you like that? Come on, bro. That's not how I roll. It's going to be so much worse than that. And, yeah, no, this is, this book was dope. There's a lot of hype around this book for great reason. The, the art in it is amazing. This isn't... 
Like you get if you guys look at that, like you can see, like it's it's almost like every panel's painted. Like there's yeah. like a dimension to it all. Like it's it, and it kind of varies throughout as far as like the color patterns go and designs. It's and a very watercolor type. Oh, I forgot the craziest part of this. Sorry, I didn't mean to interdu- uh, inter- interrupt. No, go for it. Um, the 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 darkest part about this book isn't even the Jim Gordon thing. Um, there's a point in time where while well, Bruce Wayne is in the the Batcave and Alfred approaches him mm-hmm. and he's like, you know what? I don't know if I could, like, be a part of all this anymore. It's, like, right after a scene where he, um, he like, throws a uh, car off a bridge or whatever. Alfred's like, you know, I can't do this anymore. Grim does, you know, as Alfred's walking away, like, he, without a, without even a second thought, Grim Knight, like, puts his, pushes his button and implies that he just, like, takes out Alfred. Just for disagreeing with him. After all of those years, like, he's like, even he's like, you know, yeah, you've been around a while, and, uh... My faithful servant, but yeah, you're gone. But, um, sorry, if you're gonna disagree with me, you're, you're probably the enemy wow. at this point. So, no, this dude is... Not the Batman we know about. It's crazy. I wish I could find... Oh, yeah. That's the, the panel right there. Like, that whole page is Alfred approaching, and that's great podcast talk. Let me just show you. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, oh, man, it's crazy, it's crazy. They activate the implant in my neck and yep. kill me now. Yep. I love you always, but I'm done. Yep, you don't technically see him push the button, but it sure does look like, and then just, uh, I'm Batman. Well, I think, I think the shot here, we show him, let's say he's almost pushing the button, and but then in the background, we still have Alfred still, walking away. Yeah, he's still in the doorway. Even afterwards, still standing upright. Uh, if, if he had pushed, true. if he had pushed the button, I would have assumed they'd have him. Like this position is not really changed. Right, I guess, still walking away. Uh, I guess it's not really. No, I just wanted to think that. I don't I'm happy about well, that. I mean, that, it's, 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 I like it's, Alfred. It's still ambiguous. Oh. I'll give you that. It oh, is yeah. ambiguous. Well, yeah, I just had to. I just, that was my favorite part of the whole book. I almost forgot about it. But yeah, anytime Alfred's involved, yeah, you know, I, I actually, I thought this book. At this point, I'm sure the listeners know that I'm very skeptical about Snyder works. I'm very skeptical skeptical about Tini and the fourth works. I'm even more skeptical about when the two work together because I think it's just too 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 much of brilliance coming together and it's too much for my brain to handle. This was actually well paced. I don't think there was anything like oh I don't think I got that. Like I said, I might have misinterpreted misinterpreted the Alfred thing. But well, I mean, that happens. Yeah, but I mean, nevertheless, it was. I think it was a very well-told story, and I'm glad that the Grim Knight is canon, and this is, oh, this is awesome. It sounds like you enjoyed this one. It, oh, dude, I did. Um, way more than I expected to, that's for sure. Nice. Um, moving along? Sticking with DC. Yeah, Superman number nine, Brian Michael Bendis, Ivan Reese, Brendan Peterson, Joe Prado... Eau Claire Albert and the great Alex Sinclair, covered by Prado, Reese, and Sinclair. So, real quick, like, this is uh, still more of Superboy telling his story to his parents. They're in the, uh, what do they call that place that Superman resides? Um, his, uh... Oh, the... Uh-oh. Citadel? No. No. Not the Fortress of Solitude? Fortress, Fortress of Solitude. Of Solitude. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. The guy who doesn't read knows it. <laughs> well, yeah. 
<laughs> They're in the Fortress of Solitude, and uh, John's continuing to explain his time out with Gramps. Uh, where it left off last time, there was this black hole. John mm-hmm. was separated, and he saw the, the future crime syndicate or whatever. So, yes, and that's that's where our story picks up. This time, um, John, he sees, uh, it's not Superman, it's, uh, what is it, Ultraman? And he immediately but gets Ultraman. This, yeah, okay, not Japanese Ultraman. No, no, no. Okay, okay. I was like, Ultraman? No way. That'd be the the most ambitious crossover I've ever heard of. Please, please let us have DC. If you're listening, please let us have the Japanese Ultraman <laughs> mixover. Please, just once, like just actually, Ultraman. you know what? Fuck you, DC. It wouldn't work for you. Put it in. Put it in Marvel because Ultraman needs to fight Ant Man because they both increase uh, and shrink in size. Oh, let's, let's get Ultraman versus Ant. Man, sorry. Oh, you're so sorry. excited. <laughs> I, I, I am. I, dude, I love my Japanese kaijus. Oh, this is awesome. Well, um, Superman, Ultraman. So the the crime syndicate is, as you can see, is this alternate version of uh, Justice League. Yep. Um, see, his view looks like an Uberman. <laughs> <laughs> Uberman. Uh, yeah, that's a whole different country. <laughs> Uberman. So, uh, yeah, well, John gets this sense from Ultraman. He's like, oh, yeah, you kind of, like, remind me of someone, bro, for lack of better words. And uh, Ultraman uses that to his benefit. He's like, oh, yeah, no, come with me. Like... Whether you like it or not. And he pretty much imprisons John on this volcanic island where there's no yellow suns. So John's powers are very limited at this point. And I'm not... uh, Really, it looks like the whole motivation behind all this is Ultraman is super fucking lonely. And this is... He just wants a friend. Kind of, but he's a prick. <laughs> he's a prick. He just wants a friend, but he's got to abduct his Like, friend. you can see, he's like, oh, no, be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> he's the kind of guy who says, oh, yeah, you, you, you want directions to this place? I'll give you directions to my house so you can have an hour best friend. Kind of, I mean, he's not quite as creepy, but yeah. Um, he's manipulative, for sure. So the, the the pretty much the whole premise of this story at this point is John's escape from this volcanic prison, and he wait. What it comes down to is he waits for Superman to have a good old cry. Oh, <laughs> or really? Ultraman, oh. my bad. Ultraman, my bad. Uh, cry it out, man. Cry to ha- it out. Yeah, to have a good old cry, and then he takes his last bit of powers that he's been saving up, and he's like, you know what? Screw it. And he does this thing that allows him to not be there anymore in some fashion. And, and blows a giant hole in it and uses the So he makes his way out. to, uh, uh for he goes from the volcano to, um, what do they call that city? Denver. <laughs> never heard of it. No. I, I've never heard of it. No, not once. Oh, but this universe is Denver. And he was like, oh, well, this universe has got to have, like, a Hall of Justice, it's right? It's got to be named after John, right? <laughs> So well, it, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't start. It doesn't end up that the Hall of Justice is in Denver. He just starts in Denver, and he makes his way throughout his journey. And it's a quick journey because he does end up at the Hall of Justice. But this Hall of Justice is just as a uh, shit dog because we get Superwoman of the Crime Syndicate that he calls mom. No. And oh, so, man. so that you see the teaser at the bottom of the final page is Superboy. Superboy versus Mother to the And, yeah, no, I actually... I thought this book was a lot of fun. I like the whole... I, honestly, I wouldn't be mad if the journey of... Su- Superboy continues to tell his journey for three or four more issues because all of these have been fun. 
Um, I like that they added in the fact that he thought the whole time that um, uh, Jor-El would have shown up by then. Right. So yeah. it makes you wonder, like, maybe Jor-El really don't give a shit. Or, or maybe these are trials and tribulations for Superboy to go through before he's ready to accept the mantle. Yeah, he's, 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 clearly, yeah he's clearly methodically telling his parents this story. Like, he's, he's not just like, oh my god, look what happened. He's like, no, calm down. Like, there's even a point where they're in the Fortress of Solitude where Lois is like, do you guys need to go, like, punch some asteroids or something? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, 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 we got to save that for later. Because, I mean, that's referring back to... Uh, when yeah. Superman went up to... Yeah. yeah, the frustration of the Yeah, and he's yeah. like, oh, no, I can't just punch asteroids. Oh, there's asteroids. Not. <laughs> yeah, I can't just destroy them because yeah. that would have butterfly effects. Right. <laughs> and, punch know. this asteroid and ten fucking planets get hit by the, the, exactly. little, the little meteorites exactly. and destroys them. And then just, ma- uh, just uh, ever so conveniently, as they even describe in that issue, like, a bad guy shows up. He's like, oh, yeah, and I was like the Destroyer or something. I was like, oh, perfect, I'll just beat the shit out of the Destroyer. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. With yeah, it's just very convenient right yeah. here. You, you, Ooh, an alien invasion. Perfect. <laughs> no. Just what the doctor ordered. Uh, dude... I, I know I, I probably talk about this every time the name Superman comes up. Uh, for the new listeners, I didn't like Superman pre-podcast. I didn't like Superman pre-Brian Michael. I, I've always, I've honestly not been a fan of Superman, and a lot of the things you brought up in the podcast have made me a lot more intrigued in the character and the ways that the Fun, story yeah. can be told, because, you know, I've always just gotten the classic, faster than a speeding bullet, you know, more powerful than a locomotive. I'm just a very... I've always seen Wonder Man, Superman as a very, I'm a one-dimensional character. Yeah, because well, he, no, he has to be the symbol of hope, so you can't yeah. give him a personality. It's, it's, yeah. Well, now that his family is a thing and all of that, like, that's pretty much his weakness. Even no, more than Christian. It, it sounds great. It, is. it sounds like good. And even that. in action comics, like, Brian Michael Benton still telling action comics version of Superman. Right. And it's, it's, it's awesome. The Leviathan story is about to be dope. I'm glad that... I'm jumping on that, too. Yeah, no, but... So, Superman is a whole lot of fun. There's just... Oh, so much story to be told. We know that John's getting more and more, I mean, more and more powerful than he's perceiving himself to be. I wouldn't be surprised that that's not your sirens behind you guys. Those are ours. Those are ours. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, sorry. Maybe if I talk louder than the sirens. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, Power through. Uh, Superboy, I think... Brian Michael Bendis might even be so bold as to, within a few issues, this is complete speculation, mm-hmm. but maybe show that Superboy might even somehow be more powerful than Superman now that he's gone through all of these dimensions and everything. I don't know. I think that's a bold statement, and I'm, I could possibly really be reaching on that one, but I really think that Superboy has seen some shit that's about to blow everybody's mind. That's a mind. pretty standard trope of, you know, the, the young kids are passing his master parent. Yeah. I don't even know if it's that. It seems like Superboy is just really seeing a bunch of shit that's really setting him up for having a future of being able to handle the things that Superman has handled. Sure. Like, Superman sure. had, you know, a very... I won't That's say perfect, point. but he had a very basic childhood where he was raised in a thing. Very selfish. And then fucking Kansas. And then all of a sudden he's just hammered and hammered and hammered Most with... big city. Yeah, new shit happening and Zod coming down and all the other shit that happens in his life. Finding out he's an alien. Yeah, so maybe he's like, I've got to save this kid from that. I've got to save him from that sheltered shock. Yeah, no, that's kind of what happened. You know, it's his... His son went off with his wife to with his estranged father, and 
big Grand Galaxy. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah, my well, okay, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. But basically, it, 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 I, I'm just saying there is a possibility for it being a purposeful exposure to save him from that sudden shot coming out of, you know, a very sheltered childhood. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, I, I, I think that's a great point. I'm, I'm... I was never a, I mean, let alone anything super anything, but I never thought that I'd be a fan of Superboy ever. Right. But sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued. It kind of makes me want to jump into these younger team books that DC's putting out now, because I think Superboy's about to be in one of them. Well, I think one of the like things that. that really allows me to, oh, to, to lend my ear and my eyes to that kind of story is basically one of the things I've discussed with you multiple times, which is, Miracle Man, not Mr. Miracle, Miracle Man, formerly known as Marvel Man, which one of his, so in the original story from the 1960s, Marvel Man, Miracle Man, whatever, has Marvel Man Jr. and Kid Marvel, okay, and Marvel Man Jr. is the teenage version, and Kid Marvel is the other version, is like the, the, the Kid Kid version, you know. And username checks out. Yeah, exactly. But when he finally gets his powers back, you find out that Marvel Man Junior has gone through some crazy shit mm-hmm. and become uh, a crazy guy. Gotcha. Like one of your first introductions to Marvel Man Junior. Spoilers. One of your first introductions to Marvel Man Junior is he literally burns the eyes. Out of his fucking secretary, burns her brain out of her skull with laser vision because he's just in that kind of mood at the time. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, oh, you, you talk back to me. <laughs> fucking melted brain. Oh, yeah. They're already hinting that John's coming back super fucking powerful. So it makes me wonder. I just imagine the stability at this point with everything he's gone through at such a young age. Like, exactly. That's it, what I'm saying. Is you put the kid into that kind of scenario, and especially with superpowers. They may come out warped. Like, he was gone uh, four yeah. months in Earth time, but he aged seven years. Yeah, seven years. So, wow. like... A I lot mean, of his childhood gone. Yeah. Right. Superman didn't bother well, his boy during that time. Yeah, he's yeah. almost too old to be a Teen Titan at this point. Like, he was... Like 17, right? Huh? Yeah, they made 17, him. right? Uh, he would be 19. I mean, I think. I'd like to maybe, think for know, the character 17. of John that they're going to really toward, try to lean towards, you know, a good guy. But you never know. It may end up creating a psychopath. Or anti-hero. Yeah. Oh, man. Dude, you know what? A Superman anti-hero. That could be fun. That could be a lot I mean, we've of fun. Talk, I mean, we've talked seen Injustice. Well, and, and we've seen what... Would, no, but Injustice isn't canon. And we're seeing... No. We're going to see what the Superman psychopath is going to end up like with, with Brightburn. That looks freaking great. Oh, man. Oh, that's a whole other conversation. I can't wait to do that. that that's Superman psychopath, is it not? Yeah, I think it's going to be a bizarro world. I don't know. I don't know. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Brightburn when we go to go see it. For sure. Do you have any more DC books to talk about? Uh, I think that'll cover it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that about does it. So let's move on to Marvel, shall we? Marvel! All right. So I think it's only appropriate that we start out with The Magnificent Miss Marvel, number one. Saladina Med, Minkyu Jung, Juan Blasco, and Ian Herring. Why do we need a Miss Marvel and a Captain Marvel? Well, here's the deal. Is I don't know if we do, but <laughs> <laughs> but we got it. But we got it. All right. Um, and and then there's Marvel. Well, not anymore. Okay. Yeah, no, that's kind of thing. So, um, and if they ever actually adopted Alan Moore's work, then we'd have Marvel Man. Possibly. 
But in the meantime... Sorry, go on. <laughs> uh, we, we have a reboot, if you will. G. Willow Wilson's run is done uh, through 35 or 36 issues, something like that. It went on for a long time. So this is legacy numbering 58 at this point. So I think this is volume 3 now is what this starts for Miss Marvel. Okay. Uh, Kamala Khan. It's, um, Shaka Khan, Shaka Khan. <laughs> yeah, not quite. Aw. Similar, though. Let me rock you, Shaka Just Khan. kidding. So the, I actually like the way the story is told. I, uh, I think if it wasn't for the opening narration, in the beginning the story wouldn't be as intriguing to somebody like myself who is not a fan of Miss Marvel at all. Mm-hmm. I have never found... Not once. <laughs> not once. I've never found a story that involves, or a, a Miss Marvel story, not necessarily her on another team or anything like that, but through the volumes of Miss Marvel that I've run, or read. It's not something you'd want to do a solo run where it's focused on her. Not, well, not yet. Yeah. Not yet, because it's it's been very, like, it's a teenage girl in school trying to figure out homework and being a champion type of thing. And it's like, that doesn't, it's like Silver Age Spider-Man. And a lot of people compare it to Miss Marvel to the, the new Silver Age Spider-Man. And I can understand why she has such a following, because Silver Age Spider-Man isn't a thing anymore. So people need that teenage character to relate well, to. Uh, Silver Age Spider-Man really just had a, a quirk to it as far as the dialogue structure, the art structure, everything. Right, and uh, Kamala Khan is a somewhat witty, fun... Uh, fun character to listen to. Your, but your friendly way, neighborhood Miss Marvel? You're, of New Jersey. Exactly, that's exactly what she is. She is your friendly neighborhood New Jersey Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. And this is... So, it starts out... Um, in another world, the far future, we see this alien race telling the story of Miss Marvel. To uh, I mean, it's uh, a father and son type of deal. It's a bedtime story. Right. And they're going on to, and this, this is the more interesting part of the story, is as they describe the story, the actual goings and ons of what's happening doesn't relate to how they portray Miss Marvel. He's telling the kid about how everybody adored Miss Marvel, and everything, you know, everything she said was completely, I mean, everyone went by what she said. And well, as much legends go with a lot of characters, right. though. And then the way it's told is like, her friends matter, she's got all this stuff going on, and the, it starts out by saying that, you know, her. It's we all know that her mom is the only person in her family that knows her secret. Okay. Well, she comes home, and the book starts out that her mom gave in and told her dad, and her dad is forbidding at this point. And she. You she, can't be a superhero. Exactly. He's like, I'm sorry, we're putting our foot down. This is this is whatever. Because that's something that you can regulate. We found that out with Jubilee and X Men. Well, and then I mean, they instantly show that she's like peace, I don't care what you say, like, I gotta save New Jersey, dog, like, monsters on the way. And to be fair, I guess, to be fair, to be fair, um, with Jubilee, it really was, oh, sentinels are coming and ripping the roof off, ripping the roof off of your home and coming to get you. Well, Jubilee had no choice, she had to go. Well, dude, this is, I mean, I I wouldn't say, but this is what's happening, she just gets in this fight with their family, she's like, I forbid you, and she's like, uh, the, the the bad guy beeper, I gotta go. <laughs> and she shows up and she's like handling stuff and then she realizes that uh, uh, these interdimensional beings that are coming down as she, as soon as she, she like, she'll go to like punch them like she normally would and then she turns into this blue goo, or they turn into this blue goo and she'd be like, 
I didn't hit him that hard. And then it happens one more time. This, like, interdimensional alien comes down, and she, like, throws it against the wall, and she's like, splat. Splat. And she's like, oh, huh. shit. Well, then it turns out that she's like, uh-oh, I have a bet. Like, you see, these are the guys she's fighting. Yeah. Throws them against, you know. Blue werewolves with guys. Like, the, the blue goo. Huh. And then she gets to, she's like, oh, shit. The the last bad guy signal beeper thingy that went off came from my house. And then she shows up. She, she runs to her house real quick. And at first, it seems like everything is cool. And then she goes to hug him. And then blue goo. So you think, that, oh, maybe oh, she's no. the one. Maybe she's got this, like, virus or something that's causing things she's touched to turn to blue goo or whatever. No. What do you get out of this? I, I totally get out of that. It's It's a classic mob mentality of attack against the family. You hit the family, and then if you actually have taken them out before the person gets there, the emotional damage is that much more, and you basically have them in your hands to manipulate at that point. Dude, if they kill off Kamala's family, which has been pretty much the Kamala's sidekick as far as, like, hero books go, Kamala's family has been as much a part of Kamala's story throughout comics, which I will say is why... I don't read Miss Marvel comics. So, if they kill off her family to give that dark, brooding, oh shit, whatever factor right off the bat, the Uncle Ben, whatever, if Mm -hmm. you will, maybe I'm just. I would be still on board with this book. I mean, that sounds super dark of me, but that could be the deciding factor for me to say, for one, Saladino Med is writing it, and he's already proven me wrong once with Miles Morales. It's my second favorite Spider Man story. Yeah. So that was, normally I might not have even tried this story if it wasn't for him convincing me with Miles. Right. But being, this is the same type of diverse teenage type of whatever, but just in a different realm. Mm -hmm. I I mean, it gave me faith that this could happen. And if this is indeed the the fall of Kamala's parents to start like this quote-unquote Batman type of whatever then I would be fully on board. Even if not, and then they all come back to life and everything's good, I think I'm still okay well, with this because I like the way it was paced out. I like the way the aliens were narrating the story the whole time. I, I think very much that these monsters, these alien things, were very much manufactured. And they weren't meant to be durable. As soon as they're hit, they go down. Absolutely. I think it's the same thing with the family. Yeah. But, well, I think with the family, though, it's you've got two scenarios. Number, like, number one is the family has been abducted. Yep. Number two is that the family has actually been killed. And I, this is my bias, as you saw with when we went to go see Alita, characters can be killed off just like that. In, 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 in animes and in manga, characters can just, they're gone. You're, you're, you're dead. It Sorry, it's goodbye. So gnarly, because you get this whole, I mean, it's, uh, it's almost cliche in a way, but through everything that this character's ever been, her family is the second part of it. And then not only a teenage girl, but I'm trying to be normal. But my family's been so supportive the whole time. And she leaves on a bad note, like and ah, that's something you, that I am used to in anime. There are multiple anime, t- multiple times in anime and manga where they leave on a bad note with the family. They come back, and the family's just been fucking destroyed. Dude, if Marvel takes that turn with the I'll be, I'll be so proud like, of Marvel, honestly. Oh, not not only would I be proud, like. This this could become I have, it has the potential to become a favorite of mine to take a character and do a complete 180 and, and take everything dark. I don't like about the character take it out 
and then put on an amazing career. You get this like angsty. Well, they're not just taking it out. That's what she's been the whole time. But that's yeah. the thing is, they're not just taking it out. They're turning it into a motivation. Is what it seems like. If if that's the if what I'm thinking is the direction. Her family's been her anchor. She okay, can only be a champion because her family won't let her be a. She's no, Avenger capable so for sure. A little prediction material, just because of the way I've seen things go through comics, manga, a lot of the thing media that I've exposed myself to. They can definitely abduct the family and then kill them in front of her. Uh, well, you never know that that might happen. Even you know they can the, the the family could be already dead, or they could be abducted and they get killed in front of her, or they give her you know the grand moment of you know classic Marvel of oh you get to save everyone you care about. Right. But I mean we I have seen. Well, here's the thing: is we have seen even with as early as Stan Lee telling us the story of Gwen Stacy. You can kill them yourself on accident, sure. trying to save them. You can kill them yourself. No. Yeah. Sure. Well, and that's the, I mean, it kind of looks like that's what we're getting out of that, which brings me back to the Spider-Man thing, which kind of, I think, this yeah, is all well, an homage in a way. What I if that was her real family, but they had been turned into this blue goo, and they were just that susceptible? Now, I'm not, that's probably one of the further out options, yeah. but still, I would... Once again, it would be one of the things I would be proud of for storytelling if you are able to take something that your readers expecting something else, and you're just like, no, no, seriously, they're fucking dead. Like, yeah. they just died. They're it's done. Possible, but I also like Brian's theory about the whole like that the blue goo Midas touch. That that could be. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Where she yeah, has a, a virus that is well, that in was her now. That was the pattern. That turning everything into gold. That she just turns something into blue, blue goo. goo. Right. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. Right. So I I, I don't know. It's the fact is, is that we've had so much of a conversation on a book that I didn't think that I would give, and I'm going to go ahead and say, I didn't think I'd give two goddamn squirts of shit about And it's in the middle really of your stack. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's what I decided to start Marvel's topic discussion this week with, because I thought it was such a strong, number one, What I don't know what it is about the word Marvel all of a sudden, uh, Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, everything, all of the recipes thing, of things it's that I should It's recognition. Hate, and then all of a sudden... It's all coming together, yeah, the things that I'm, like, suddenly okay with. Turning your opinion right. on Right. Well, because, I mean, that's something you would do well if you are actually any kind of company producing media of any sort, is take your... your I'm the right fan, is what you're saying? Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time. I mean, a lot no. of people no, are, are, are quick to disappoint. No. So. Well, I mean, uh, if you go back and you look at the, that issue that I was showing you a few weeks ago, the Marvel, where it was... The DC Marvel crossover, mm -hmm. quote unquote, mm -hmm. right. where Batman had three ears slash horns on him. Yeah, I mean, you just you kind of see where it's it's just the marketing aspect comes into play, and it's how can we manipulate what we have already? Oh, totally, man, totally. I I dig it. Is what it comes down to, I think. I, I very, very. I, I, I honestly, I if from one of the books that like I've never even read. Seeing you skim through it got me a lot more interested than I'm oh, actually. Dude, I'm I didn't gonna, even I'm touch on the art. Like the, the, art. the books that you've already shown me in this stack. That one got me interested more than I thought I would be. Yeah, man, and uh, the, the the art's incredible as well. Well, I think it's simply just the open-endedness of the ending. There really lends itself to what you would call water cooler discussion. But out of, you know, I think the most interesting, I'm going to, like, ten more seconds on this thing. The fact that it still entailed all the things I don't like about the book, with it being such a heavy family book, and it still yeah. came out to be enjoyable. Family tied, but right. in a way you didn't expect. Exactly. Exactly. Like, Secrets Out right off the bat, like, it was just, 
Here's number one, bitches. So how disappointed are you going to be if next issue she finds them and saves them and it's all good again? We'll see how it's told. Fair enough. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not off of this book. Like, I, I thought it was well, going to be one and done. It could come down to finds them and they kill them right in front of her. It, you never know, man. Anything could happen. Um, she becomes the reason for their death. Well, that's kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen, if anything. All right, so Brian has reason for their that she has reason for their death. I am voting for that they kill them in front of her. And what's your vote, Justin? Uh, I I think they'll be fine. You think they'll be fine? All right. Honestly, like I want mine to go through, but I think Justin's probably right. Just knowing Marvel. Yeah. Well, either way. But I'm rooting for kill them right in front of her. All right, Amazing Spider-Man number 17, Legacy numbering 818, Nick Spencer, Umberto Ramos, Victor Olazaba, Edgar Delgado. I did say that. Nice. Covered by Umberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado. I do like this cover quite a lot. So it is quite a gorgeous cover. The, the last issue, uh, Spider-Man 16, we got the Prelude to Hunted, and we got 16.HU. So get used to that lettering for a while because there's going to be sub-stories. Okay. Three more of those. Are these sub-stories based on hero or villain? Villain? Yes. Ooh. So as we go on, you'll realize this is all a villain-based story. Okay. This is dope. Hunter Craven has been rounding up uh, villains of Spider-Man that all related to animals. Oh, so okay. we got Rhino, Black Cat, blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, okay, so is this the, the, the hunter from Spider-Man? Yeah, this is the most interesting. Oh, okay, Craig, Craig okay so hunter. this is focusing around that, like, the guy who arises during the point where Spider-Man starts to grow all of his legs and, like, become a spider? Uh, you know, honestly... I, I'm sorry, I'm, okay. I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not extremely familiar with a lot of the illustrated Spider-Man, but the Spider-Man animated series, as a kid in the 90s, fucking ate it up. And that was where I was introduced to the Hunter. The, when Spider-Man started to go through the metamorphosis where he was growing legs on his ribs, and he got the eight legs finally, and he is actually a spider Eight-legged Spider-Man is a thing, yeah. yeah. That was where the Hunter originated. Is that who we're focusing on? Yes. Yeah. Oh, fuck All right, yeah. so this is Craven the Hunter. So in the last issue, uh, 16, po- uh, 16 was the prelude, which was um, Hunter's... Him, all right, so he put out a whole bunch of he made a whole bunch of sons. Okay, and then he's like, all right, uh, came back. He came home one day, and there was just one son standing there over the corpse of all of his other sons. And um, Craven gets this tear in his eye, and he's like, I did it. I'm so the best proud. Man. I'm so proud. So, and this that was the prelude to what's happening here. You were gonna see Craven's one true son. Oh. Pretty much, this is the, I believe this Basically is the Basically, the Supreme the Predator in this story. So, check it out. Um, also on that story, uh, which I found to be very, uh, I thought it was weird the way it was told. Like, Spider-Man and um, MJ, like, Spider-Man had a head cold the whole time. Right, right, right. Okay. And, like, a lot of that, you know, like, the way that 16 was told was, like, oh, Craven's um, origin, st- or son's origin story. Spider-Man has the flu. Craven's origin story. Spider-Man has a really bad headache. Okay. Well, that plays into the part where... Do you think Spider-Man's in at any point, like, getting any of this information? Or is this just flashing over to the side? Well, the whole time... The whole time, MJ's like, why don't you rest? And he's like, maybe you're right. You know, I haven't been getting sleep. Well, he realizes that this uh, not only has Black Cat been abducted, 
which we all know that ain't going to fly with Peter. Okay. They are very good friends. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. in, like, issue five, the way Close they tied to be, that all like crossed fingers. Well, no, the way they tied... I think it was, like, the, one of the very first issues of this new Spider-Man run, the way they made Black Cat seem still viable without her being a love interest and everything. Oh, okay. very close so she's friends. not in a love interest. Oh, no, no, and okay. MJ's the love interest. Okay. So. So, yeah, no, he's explaining all, um, well, he mean, realizes that Black Cat's gone missing, okay. and he's imprisoned, but it's not just that, is that the Snake Boy, uh, Jonathan something or other, uh, no, Billy Connors, Spider-Man's not gonna let the fact that this poor little defenseless Snake Boy has also been captured, because like I said, Craven's after everybody that's animal-related. Okay. Because he's going to... He has rounded up all of these big game hunters, and he's going to release all of these animal villains in a dome in the city with Spider-Man while these big game hunters also attack all of these villains. So it's this whole game he's playing. He's not going to kill anything. My, my, my eyes are just getting wider and Dude. wider by the second. Well, how does Spider-Man show up? Well, not only is it uh, Black Cat and uh, um, Billy Connors a trap, well, Craven's son is going to be the one to capture him. Ooh. Well, there's all this uh, hallucinogenic gas going on, and that ex- Ooh, no. that plays into the part with Spider-Man being sick. Because he's sick, he's been weakened somehow. So he's able to be affected a little bit more than usual. So all of that I mean, wasn't I think that's not. something we've seen before, so that makes sense right. to play in. Right, and you could see, like, it's it's happening, and eventually, you know, Craven's boy takes him oh, back. Oh, I just want to go back for Flip a second. A couple of things. That's some fucking Spawn color palette right there. Oh, dude, no, this, this art's on point, man. It's, it's a lot oh, of that's Umberto gorgeous. Ramos, here's the thing about how Umberto Ramos draws Spider-Man, is he draws him as a skinny little prick, and at the same time, you don't doubt the way his stature is. Like, it's, he's, his, a lot of the way he does figures. Well, I mean, that makes sense to me. When it comes to Spider-Man, if you really look at Peter Parker, Peter Parker, when he first starts out, he's not a built dude. He's getting picked on all the fucking time. I mean, hence the Flash Thompson story. But, But when, I mean, you look at that, it makes sense. It's like, yeah, he's a skinny dude, but he's cut. He's cut. And that's how my favorite tone. Spider-Man... That's yeah. how my favorite Spider-Mans have been. No, Tone is a whole other thing from cut. He Spider-Man at that point is cut. His muscles are clearly defined. Yeah. And that is cut. Oh, yeah. And that is, that is something that you see in it's a lot of... The way he draws his legs is always super puny. And that's that's just Ramos' Spider-Man face is all. That, I mean, no, okay, okay. No, no, I, no, I'm looking at that, that leg, and you're that, right. That, that is no, that's tiny. A, that's, that's a fucking style. tiny leg. That's a style choice. That's, no, that, that's absolutely art style That's how choice. I will always the know rest that Umberto Ramos drew that. That's the rest of it is almost fantasy realism. Uh, okay, here we go. This is... That's a little bit better. That seems more... No, that seems more realistic and actually proportionate to what I would expect Peter Parker to actually be. He is what a spider is, which is... And that's proportionately strengthful or overstrengthful for and your the, size. And then he wakes up in this dome, and he's not just in Spider-Man. He's in Black Suit Spider-Man. So then he's wait, why, why does Venom come in? Nobody no, knows? Yeah. No, it's not Venom. It's just Black Suit Spider-Man. Wait, wait, he was woke up, and he's like, well, I'm in a different costume. Well, Black Suit Spider-Man's always been Venom, though. But it's, it not? it's just a different but costume. it's not. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's, that's all that is. I'll let it and go. And he wakes up and he sees Scorpion, and he's like, oh shit, all these guys are about to come out at me. And then this is where it gets Ooh, super crazy. Ooh, double panel. Oh yeah, baby. I mean, double page. You see all these animal villains come Hot. out. And when you think this is all of them versus Spider-Man, you realize, no, this is a, a free-for-all. Because 
Broda, boda, 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 boom. There's another villain in play here. Oh. By man. the name of. Hunter's son? No, uh, Arcade. He has so, created okay. all of these craven robot cyborgs to hunt all of these guys down. Ooh. <laughs> so, that's so, that final panel there is all these. I mean, they're swinging through the trees and. Dude, this. This is. Everyone versus everyone. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. All right, all right. And this is what it is, man. It's not just like, you know, they're, they're all varied up. We got one of well, them with no, like a bow mean, and arrow and everything. But and here's the thing is, oh, wow, the, the, the Craven Cyborgs, at least the one at the very front, almost seems to have a very, just, it's, it's the, 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 the tail on his hood, almost, seems to have a very goblin look to it. Oh, yeah. That is oh, no. very goblin. Oh, for sure, dude. I, 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 I totally dig that. I know, I like that a lot. You know, this is it, it. Just it makes me question what the future of that series is, because that is well. I can tell you one thing right now is it's not going to be. This is not just a one and done type of thing. Oh, it's going to go for a bit, and it, it even says in the back uh, when you read the author's notes, this is actually the story that Nick Spencer pitched to Marvel to convince them to let him take over Spider-Man, okay. which we all know. It's a big fucking deal. Yeah, absolutely. Especially after everybody hated him for what he did with Secret Wars. Yeah. So, uh, not not Secret Wars, um, Secret Empire, my bad. So, yeah, no, and then... Yeah, took say, Secret Wars has brought in actually yeah. a lot of oh, yeah, very no, favorite characters, actually. Yeah, that's, that's a whole different thing. I fucked that up. But, no, it's I really, really enjoy where the story's going to go. I thought it was going to be overhyped because I had seen so many solicitations and everything. Sure. We're even going to get side issues. Like, we're going to get an 18-point HU, which is the hunted thing, kind of like how they did with... Oh, like, that's right. Month. You were talking about the subtitling and the sub Right. Thing. There's going to be some, uh, some of these villains are going to be all tied out or have their own little quick sub-story or whatever. And it even says in the back, it was like, check it out, this is going to really develop some stuff in the Spider-Man universe that is going to blow a lot of people's minds. So I don't know if that's Marvel hyping shit yeah, up. We're going to shake up, shake up some dust. But I have a feeling that, like, I don't know, maybe like an 18-point MU could be like a key issue somehow or something. So don't, sl- or not MU, uh, HU. I'm not Monsters Unleashed, that was a different <laughs> thing they did. But, uh, yeah, you guys know what I'm saying. So, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say sleep on those issues because I fucked up and slept on 16.HU, and I don't know what it was. So I have to go back now because of what was solicited in the back of this book here. All in all, what I'm saying is this is a character, that uh, a villain that I'm not familiar with. It's mm-hmm. tying in a lot of villains that I'm very familiar with and truly love, especially Rhino. Right. Things that he was, like, really the focal point of bringing in this whole story, because he was the one to get captured, that, or the, that we truly noticed. I was just going to call you out and say that Rhino's got a lot of design similarities to Kingpin. I think that's a lot of your allegiance to him. That's very... You absolutely could be right about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we got Vulture in this mix. We got... Uh, Scorpion. There, uh, like, a whole bunch of C-list characters. There's... Doc Ock, Black Cat. Oh, yeah. Doc Ock? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I definitely have to say that the cover art catches my eye. Dude, that's good stuff, man. Who did that cover again? Oh, yeah, the whole... The whole Ray I, mean, Rose every, I mean, just that, that, that picture of every character is actually mounted on a plaque, yep. and it's just... It's fantastic. Even, even Black Cat being cross-eyed. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. Maybe that's just me. She is cross-eyed there, right? She's totally cross-eyed. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that bitch is cross-eyed as a bat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Tony Stark, Iron Man number nine, Legacy six oh nine, Dance Lot. Jim, tell me one day we got to do an old man Stark. Uh, one day. Valerio Schitti, Paulo Rivero, and Edgar Delgado. Color by cover by the great Alexander Lozano, as we're finding out. So, this book is uh, well. It is strange, and being that Dan Slott decided to bring in Jim Zub, it only makes sense that it gets strange. Did you read this book? No. Alright, so the, the escape is still fucked as we know it. We know that Maria and Howard Stark are in this AI universe. Of course, it's obviously not them, but it's AI versions of them being controlled by the motherboard, yep. who's really the evil doer in all of this. Tony Stark um, is pretty much brainwashed, if you will, and he is trying to be convinced by his adopted mother, Maria, Maria, that, um, who is in the, her younger punk form, you know, that, you know, bye, don't, don't be like that, and then, you know, motherboard keeps having her way, and then it makes Tony see Maria as, like, this, like, super old school villain, and you can see with the art style here, like, how they had to go old school. No, I, I definitely like the shift right there. I'm almost surprised that they didn't do, like, the, uh, the dot color in. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, the, the Lichtenstein. Yeah. Yeah, no. Be aesthetic, though, for sure. Well, they they kind of do it in a way with crosshatching, though. Like they do a version of it. Oh, very, very certainly. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. That is old school crosshatching. Yep. So yeah, no, we get this whole thing, and uh, Machine Man pops into this to kind of help out um, uh, Amanda Stark, not Maria Stark. My bad, Amanda Stark, mm. or not Stark either. Jesus, Amanda. Tony's Amanda? mom. Tony's real mom. Not adopted. I screwed all of that up. Amanda is Tony's real mom. All right. So what is yes. the actual name? Like, the full name? Uh, Amanda Tony's mom. Amanda Tony's mom. All yeah, right. No. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, I mean, you can even see, like, going back to that, like, Machine Man, he shows up, and I'm not going to get into how he's able to show up. He's, he's, he's a technological badass. He sneaks in through the back door somehow, cybernetically. Okay. And so he's under this disguise, and then he, like, sees Tony Stark running around looking for them, but they're holograms, so you could... But then he, like, looks and he points out, uh, any old-school Iron Man fan like myself knows that Tony Stark used to roll around on some roller skates. We get that here. And, <laughs> and even Machine Man, he's like, roller skates? What decade is this? Like, he, as he sees Tony Stark going around, like, I swept the whole area, Ma, I can't find them, as he, like, sweeps right by him, but like I said... Machine Man has them hidden because he's a tech guy. Right. The escape is a virtual reality world. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, I thought you knew that by now. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm grasping the, the concepts and yeah. throwing them at me actually. So uh, pretty much the whole just here is try to get Tony to snap out of it. Realize that Motherboard and Maria and Howard Stark are all bad guys. Gotcha. And uh, I mean, it was. I don't know how to. <laughs> really explain how this turns out. I mean, it's just, it's got to continue on. Like, it's, it's weird, man. But like I said, with Jim Zub coming on, I would only expect nothing less than... Well, I'm definitely excited to see how that turns out. I really dig this old school aesthetic video. But the best thing is, it's the same artist throughout all of it. That's, that's, awesome. that's insane. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. Well, because well, the just, first part of the story I completely left out is uh, them explaining why the Avengers aren't coming to help. 
and you see the champions in one panel be like, oh, we're busy with other shit. And then you see Captain America and a couple of the other... Like, they're all not necessarily busy with other shit, but they're busy with after all of the other people that are trapped in the East game. Right. Have this whatever. Well, you have the same artist doing, you know, beautiful, brilliant, hyper-detailed... Well, I won't say hyper-detailed, because I'm sorry, buddy, your, your backgrounds aren't that detailed, but that might have to just do with what scenario you're in currently. Right. But... Job. But when he goes from that to, you know, flip to the the retro style, it's just, I get this image of, like, uh, Toki and, uh, oh, uh, and Squizgar when they have to have, like, the bricks strapped to their arms so that they can play slower. Yeah. It's like, no, we cannot play slow. That's physically impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, it, it really seems like you, you see this like, I want to give you this the, the shading and the and the realism of the future, but you're not letting me. We've got to do this we can retro. Like Stein in there. Oh yeah, but it's yeah. just it's beautiful. It's yeah. it's 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 a wonderful it's a wonderful um I, I wanna say indicator of how far we have really come in art styles and how well, like, even if, say, he went to go and he was doing his same stuff back in the day that that art was relevant, they would have to pick up a little bit for him. Oh, for sure. No, this is... Uh, I'm not going to... All right, so I'll, the first time I went through this book, I was like, why didn't I like this book? And I went through it a second time, and I realized, like, oh, this is supposed to be weird. Sweet. Okay. I mean, uh, this is... Well, you're in a virtual reality. Anything's possible. Right, Abusing. right. And, and I'll give you that. Yeah. Sure. They just went in a direction I didn't expect is all. Yeah. I am so used to Brian Michael Bendis as Tony Stark. Through nine issues, I still haven't got used to Dan Slott writing Tony Stark. Right. I just haven't got used to the voice yet. I just hasn't... I'm sorry. So when they said Jim Zub, I was like, oh, oh, man, maybe this could be the guy. Like, maybe maybe Jim Zub could bring me in. And now, and it's not necessarily I found the voice, because this isn't Tony Stark, obviously. But as far as, like, the the weight of a Tony Stark story, while still maintaining a fun type of whatever, that's it, it seems about right to me. Okay. For sure. So, yeah, no, I'm happy with it. Um, yeah, no, let's uh, move on to Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, issue number four, written by Kyle Higgins, art and cover done by Rob Reese, Rod Reese, and letters done by Clinton Kells. Sweet. So we thought this would be the last one for the Winter Soldiers. We have one more. Okay. Uh, we do have a little bit more information on RJ's father. He's, we know he's uh, Richie Edward Boyle. He was kind of a con man who did minor crimes to get by, but then when he had a sick wife and a brand new baby... He went to more desperate routes and started knocking over banks. After robbing six banks in two years, he was finally caught and put into prison for a 15-year sentence with possible possibility of parole after 10. Well, 14 years to the day from him being put in there, he is let out. And he just happened to be in a bar where they were covering some news, and they showed Bucky Barnes and his son. That's weird. That whole art style is outlined, but with watercolor almost. That's Yeah, I like it. it, it no, absolutely. Absolutely. I am not going to diss it for a single second. It's beautiful. It's just, wow. Okay, sorry, go on. So we do have a story, you know, and RJ's a little suspicious. Like, well, it, you disappeared when I was a baby. How do you know what I look like? Oh, well, maybe I should have mentioned this earlier. I had this picture that your mother sent me of you and her, and I've looked at this every single day. 
hoping that when I got out, I could make things right. And I just happened to run into you. And they're leaving this restaurant, and it seems like RJ's starting to open up, that, you know, maybe he's accepting that this really is his father, and that this is his chance to no longer be a sleeping Hydra agent, <coughs> but to uh, actually have a, a fresh start and have a real family, have a real childhood. But then these goons run into them, and, oh, Richie, if it isn't Richie Rich, you, uh, you owe us some money. Hey, kid, you, you better go around the corner. We're going to have a conversation with your father. Mm. And you know, there's this a little bit of a comfort, confrontation. RJ kicks their uh, butts a little bit. That does not look like a bitch slap. That looks like a fucking choke to the, like a chop to the tree. Oh, yeah, no, that is that is a crush. So RJ is a Hydra agent, and they trained him by recreating the same methods that they used to train Bucky Bars. So I felt like the, honestly I'm not gonna this story seems more like a RJ story than a Winter Soldier story. It's a bit of both because you know you have Winter Soldier confronts them and like well what are they talking about oh you borrowed fifty thousand dollars from these guys at, at a huge interest rate that's crazy you know blah 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 well he's my son I'm gonna see him if I want to you don't know what you're talking about mind your own business Bucky and then you got Bucky. You know, having a conversation with RJ, and RJ says, well, maybe he really is trying to change. And you have Bucky Barnes in Philadelphia. He goes to the mob boss who's looking for Richie, and he pays them off. Oh, so man. Leave him alone. His debts are paid. Here's the here's money he borrowed, plus the interest. Conor McGregor style. Well, then you've got uh, RJ and his dad at dinner. Like, hey, well, you know, so I think I found a place. You know, this job kind of sucks, but I think I found a better job. You know, this this will be a it's card game. It's just just asking to be knocked over. What do you say, me and you? Well, Dad, you know, I don't think that's really starting over. I thought you were trying to get rid of the criminal life. Oh, you know what? You're right. It was a crazy idea. It's off, but it's not off. Cause you have him back in the bar talking to some other people. Well, so you so your partner is still down to knock over this card game? Yeah, yeah. We need to iron out some details, but we're there. Well, Bucky's been spying on him, and mm-hmm. he confronts him. And Richie again gets all defensive. And, no, no, I'm not. I'm not working for Hydra. I'm not a pawn. I wasn't released early because the Hydra man is trying to track Rich, RJ down through me. And he throws a punch at Bucky, and Bucky gets him once in the stomach. And he, when he goes to reach back and hit Bucky again, he trips and hits his head on a uh, dumpster, and oh, he's man. presumably dead. Oh, so he gets a snap. yeah, you get a snap there. Oh, oh. Oh, shit. To be continued, and then the next one will be the the finale. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so it is going five. But uh, this little uh, teaser at the end sounds like we're going to have uh, RJ and Winter Soldier going at it again. I'm going to say again, like, the, uh, the, the art style really just blows me away on this. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, like, wild and kind of carefree. But well, it's just when you think that the, the lines are very well-defined and shown for what they are, and he's just watercoloring inside those lines. He's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing here. And I, I like the, like these solid kind of color backgrounds because like this red for this angry emotion, yeah. and boom, this dark blue. For well, this, it's like, not just that, somber. but it's so many shades of red used to depict two different characters in the same scene. Oh, yeah, yeah good point. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. So, right on. All right, moving along. Uh, the Age of X Man. Oh, we back on Nathan Gray, huh? Well, yeah, no, no Nathan Gray in this one, but this is the whole timeline, so this is the fifth book out of the the five series now. I said that wrong. <laughs> the, the the fifth title out of the five titles are going to come out in five-issue increments. This is so, yeah, the fifth part of this event. Right. 
Apocalypse in the Extracts is uh, what it's called. It's a trippy, it's a trippy issue. Yeah, you read this one? Yep. Yeah, I think it can be summed up pretty quick, though. So this is Tim Seeley, Salva Espin, and Israel Silva, and I have finally finished my Inyak Glee connecting cover variant, so i got to go find a fucking sweet frame for all of this, and god damn did it finish. Oh, you're going to do, like, a like how many, how many pages? Five. five pages, so you got to do five. a five-page frame? Five pages. That's going to be cool. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. So, yes, um, what this is, just to kind of give you a quick whatever... Ensabarner, or as I like to call him, Apocalypse, has these followers, being Genesis, which is technically Apocalypse's son, mm-hmm. Dazzler, iBoy, which I'm not familiar with until now, Katie Pride, and Unveil. And Katie Pride's been around for a while. Oh, dude, so yeah. it's about time we figure out where the fuck Katie Pride's been doing. So long story short, these guys are anti-X-Men. They don't like this extremist whatever. They're the... Let us love, man. Extracts, yeah. No, well, Dazzler's super fucking hippie. <laughs> yeah. We're going to... Yeah. Um, that's... Well, at least what that shows you. She is in that. She's a pop star and regular yeah. whatever. Yeah, no. She's total fucking beatnik in this. So, I mean, just kind of skipping ahead pretty much, it is these guys setting up to take on the X-Men. Essentially is what this is. Yeah. I guess social reformation. Like, let us love, let us love. Yeah, because, I mean, in case you're not familiar or haven't been reading this Age of X-Men thing, Nate Gray... This is yeah. a 616 story, right? Oh, yeah, no, this is all still oh. very canon. It's just okay. ever since, you know, since um, uh, so, so, so X-Men was, was like, no more X-Men and under peril with humans. So this is the kid apocalypse, is it? No, this uh, is not, no. Oh, okay, okay. Just no, make it no this is not an apocalypse story. It's just apocalypse is a part... Well, but, 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 no, but Genesis, I, I, I could have sworn no, at no, one no, point... It's a whole different thing. No, no, but at Genesis at one point, I was just saying, Genesis at one point, I could have sworn the mantle was kid apocalypse. Yeah, no, it has nothing to do with that. Okay. Yeah, no, it's none of that has anything to do with this. They're not relating to anything. This is them starting a whole new X-Men story. Okay. Think of the X-Men as rebooted. Okay. Yeah, none of, none of that before really is a thing. Matthew Rosenberg is like, all right, Uncanny X-Men is where it's at now. These are, so with the remaining X, or mutants that were left on Earth after uh, X-Men's, air quotes, snap, if you will. Oh, that, okay, that's right. This is the, the we've got only Cyclops mutants, and Wolverine. This is, is the, the only mutants exist storyline, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. And in this storyline, love is not a thing. Uh, companionship they is not a thing. past that. Yeah. Now okay. they're all incubated. Yeah, they're all just, they're, they're made, not born. Yeah. Well, I mean... So, and the, the apocalypse yeah, and the extra... I'll, I'll just let that go. Yeah, is pretty much them saying, oh, that's not cool. Okay. So, yeah. The, now we've got the layout. I, I, I kind of want to bring it up a little bit. Like that's, that's actually a few different future societies and comics and media and sci-fi media that you see. Love is no longer relevant. It is simply about reproduction, and sexual intercourse is actually a form of stress relief at that point. Yeah, that's not even a thing. Like, not that, even a thing. Forbidden. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you're not allowed to touch another mutant. Oh, wow, okay. Like, it's, it's all forbidden. Compo- uh, immediate prison. Um, Don't hold hands. Yeah, do yeah. not kiss. Oh, yeah. wow, okay. Yeah, the extremists show up and take you to prison. Okay, the, the Gestapo, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. It's a gnarly story, and uh, um, yeah, a lot of people... Like, like these people. All right. 
And really what this is, is it's kind of a roundabout way for Marvel to tell the story, like allow the Uncanny X-Men story to be told without forgetting about 90% of the the mutants. Or, so they're still getting to touch on all these other mutants. Yeah, you and tell their own all story. Like mutants. all of this stuff that's going on here, really I have a feeling is not going to matter. Yeah. Uh, there might be one or two things. Oh, well, I take that back. Major X is going to come into this. I believe this is my speculation. Major wait, X. Wait, Major, is Major X our fucking Judge Dredd character? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So I have a feeling he's going to show up throughout one of these five mini-stories, and that's what's going to make this this whole side thing collectible. Yeah, right. Marvel's, he's, he's Marvel's just, smart. They're gonna I just smart do not this. like his design. Oh, no, dude, I'm not going to argue any of that. Believe me, it's... Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's... <laughs> Uh, but I think that's how they're, he's gonna, they're, Marvel's going to make okay. all of this relevant. But like I said, right now, if you look at Uncanny X-Men, we've just got like a couple of big mutants along with a bunch of C-listers coming out of the sewers almost, literally. And trying to scrap together the last remnants. Right. Of so it, it's still a way to make sure you get all your, your awesome mutant fix. All right. told in a fun way. Yeah, no. I totally understand what they're doing here. So now that you've read the first of all five of them, what do you think of these events? There's three of them that I'm going to continue to read. I'm going to continue to buy all of them, just because I'm a completionist. Yeah. Um, but I will say that there's there's three out of the five that I'm really on board with. Unfortunately, the one that I was most excited about turned out to not be my... my, my turned out to be my, Yeah. Yeah. But all the other ones, I thought Prisoner X was pretty cool. Sure. Um, and then the first two were awesome. I can't remember the names of them off the top I of mean, my head. Um, They're gonna get my money on one of them because I love Blob. So oh yeah, no. Prisoner X was the one we were discussing last a couple week. weeks ago when it, when it was talking about uh, Beast being in prison. Right? Yeah, it was Beastbeard. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And and what was and, that the uh, one? Gabby that, and, 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 and Bishop and Amazing Gabby and all okay, that. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, yep, yeah. No, that was that was good stuff. Anything with Gabby on there. I'm glad that they didn't forget about Gabby. That's what was favorite. the one we were talking about where it was the uh, multiple versions of Wolverine that have occurred over the timeline? Oh, that was, uh, I think, in a Return of Wolverine story. Okay. Or, or not, Death of Wolverine. Where Return he was Wolverine. trapped in his own... Return like, of Wolverine. Where he was trapped in basically Return his own mental, yeah, yeah. mental prison that yeah. had, like, the different versions of him that yeah, have existed. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Return of Wolverine. That was Return. Sorry, that was cool. Oh, hell yeah, yeah it was. Alright, shall we move along? I think we shall. Punisher, number 9, or Legacy 237, Matthew Rosenberg, Simon Kredansky, and Antonio Fabella, cover by Greg Smallwood. Nothing has changed with this team through nine issues. I don't know how to... I, I could wrap this up real good and quick. You get everything that I've been talking about Punisher throughout. You get blood, gore, um, uh, an abundance of violence, and Frank Castle coming out of... Begalia's prison being held by Zemo, making Zemo look like a bitch, and he comes out with a uh, prisoner tank. Yep. Is how this 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 happens. I, there's no way you can't describe this story because it is an action story. I could say pow and bang and boom and oh my god and holy shit a lot, but I would rather you just read the story, get what you want out of Frank Castle because this team. I'm not lying. There's not a more solid team in comics than this team. And even Greg Smallwood, who's been the cover artist through all of these. Like, it's... I, I, I love the Punisher books. It is still, still my favorite Marvel book. Yeah, nice. And has been through... I just... I, I, I love the representation of Zemo in this one. First, oh, dude, my Zemo. My favorite Zemo I've ever read. This is... Uh, Nick... Yeah. I mean, I love that again, like... Because they have... Chameleon... Jigsaw. 
Well, they have to oh, really oh, dress yeah. up as Frank oh, yeah. Castle, right. and they hang him publicly, even though they have Frank Castle in custody, because they, they want to slowly kill him, take their time with him. Right. And then at the end of this prison break, Zemo has no idea what Frank flag, this Hydra flag with the big Punisher sign. Oh, cool. On burning prison to show everybody that Frank Castle's really alive and he's back. And the butler comes in to tell him, like, Zemo, have you listened to this? No. 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 Yeah, the Punisher got out. No, damn it! Pulls out his gun and shoots his butler. And Jake's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to look for a butler. Yeah, I'm going to look then, for a new butler. <laughs> no, I'm not about Frank Castle thing. And then, yeah, you see you the... You don't like, find Frank Castle. He finds you. Mm. <laughs> One of tank. No, that that was that's that's how you tell the story. That was brilliant. It's, it's, I'm telling you, Matt. No, it's just a good closing line overall. Yep, it's the shit. All right, I know we were real quick on that, but like I said, that's that's how Punisher rolls. He he don't fuck around. Well, it just seemed like the flow of panels overall as yep. we were flipping through that. Anyways, it's just quick moving. It's done. You get your action that you want from it. Yeah, totally. It's what the Punisher was meant for. Totally. As Guardians of the Galaxy, number seven, Colin Bunn, Matteo Buffoni. You better tell me we got some throg here. <laughs> uh, we do. We totally oh, do. boy. Oh, yeah. I'm excited Lane. for some throg. Totally. James Jamal Campbell on the cover. So, as we know, Ravengers, all right, they line, arrive on this planet, this mysterious planet. They were uh, in the last issue. They're under the Ravengers. Turns out the Ravagers aren't so bad. They're actually they're protecting this um, this clan of people. Then all of a sudden, uh, the Earth starts fighting back, or not the Earth, but the the territory. And you realize Ooh. this territory is ego. So that's how the last issue ended. Okay. So here we are with these uh, with the Asgardians, with the help of the Ravagers, trying to save these people from a planet. That they are living on. Well, the twist in this story is it's not ego fighting them. It is his moon, alter ego, yeah. taking control of ego. So ego actually has a a um, alter ego. Well, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. He has a um er, a treaty with these people. But alter ego comes along and he fucks with it. So ego is n- by no means wants to harm these people. So throughout a fun, yeah, throughout a fun, exactly, throughout this fun series of events, the Ravengers and the Guardians are able to subdue Alter Ego the best they can, the Ravengers stick around, and bands that uh, Angela, the the leader of the Asgardians of the Galaxy, and Thor's sister, is lovers with Sarah, um, the second-in-command of the Ravengers, we get this goodbye type of panel, and yes, we do get some throg action. I was about there. to ask you, where does it happen? Oh, <laughs> it's, it's in here. It's, it's in. It's almost immediately, if I remember right now. It's not. Oh, it's. To, oh, yeah. Bam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm falling over looking for throg. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good stuff. Oh, dude. He, he's one of my favorite characters. I don't know why, but he's just such oh. an amazing Asgardian. Oh, it's, it's awesome that they make. Thrawn, Throg's such a you know awesome part of this, but throughout this whole separation and you know them parting ways, Ravengers have been established as pretty much good guys at this point, which I like. Yondu was a badass throughout two issues. These last two issues have been the strongest. This series has really started. Caring. Really, they give Yondu more of a story in this. Huh? Oh yeah, no, he's, oh, wow. he's pretty much the guy that convinces the rest of the Ravagers that like maybe we should have a soul and help out these poor people. Oh wow. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty cool how they do them. But on top of it all, you know, Kid Loki throughout this whole time has been a part of this, 
And everyone has been doubting him. He's like, he's going to fucking turn on us any time. Well, as we we get like this uh, Luke Skywalker fading away type of scene where um, as Sarah is, as Sarah Angela is, you know, kind of having her, her final words, or not, she didn't know it's her final words, but she's talking with him after it's all said, and then he's like, well, sis, it didn't, didn't fuck you over overall. And then she's like, yeah, yeah, I guess you did. And then he's like, so Loki's spell that brought me about is starting to wear off. And you see him kind of go translucent. And he's like, bye. And the whole time we've been expecting since the very beginning. Like, what are we at? Uh, issue 7? So through 7 issues now, we've been waiting for Kid Loki to really just turn the tables on this guy. Yeah. And as it turns out, he's been a pretty decent Asgardian, the best he can. I mean, he's, he hasn't been the biggest self. But, now, but he a was actually, a, but he was actually a, he was actually an apparition created by actual Loki. Mm-hmm. So now he's just he's gone. Yeah, he's wow. just gone now. That's, so, that's fucking what? Yeah. Yes, this is what. Well, this is what I was talking about at the at the beginning of the podcast. So this is something I want American media to adopt more, which is like you've gotten used to this character. He's gone now. Bye. Yep. He, he, he's gone. You, 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 like, no, we don't care. He's dead. You, you, you don't see him anymore. I feel like this is, like, a pretty true-to-character, like, modern representation of the Ravagers. Like, Ravagers bad. Okay, Ravagers not so bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll give you that. And it also makes me believe that Yondu is going to wield some sort of badass weapon and fight a fucking frost giant in the War of the Realms. Do you think he's coming back? Oh, he's coming back. Everybody's playing in the War of the Realms. Everybody's gonna play. Well, it. I thought that was the whole point of the War of the Realms—is that everybody's playing in War Yon, of the Realms. Yondu, and I think they just made—they wanted people to remind everybody that Yondu, like, despite what you saw in the movies, Yondu be alive, y'all. Yeah. Oh, nice. yeah. Well, it, we we know MCU is different. Oh, well, yeah. MCU. Is oh, separate. totally, totally. But I think this is just people reminding the new readers, like, uh, you don't, if you if you're not aware, no. if you got into the books because of the movies, here he is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. He is, is what it is. Not Dark Seed, it's Dark Side. Alright, what, what is this? Dead Man Logan. Dead Man Logan, number five. Ed Brisson, Mike Henderson, and Nolan Woodard, covered by D. Clanchelby, as it is. So this is the last of Old Man Logan. Um, so as, uh, Mysterio has been playing his little tricks or whatever, and he's on his way to go double cross the people, uh, Sin and Miss Sinister. Yep. Bring Logan and uh, Glob and just a couple of random mutants and Hawkeye along to go take out Sin and the Sinister and Crossbones. Dazzler too, right? No, no Dazzler. No. no. And so Mysterio, he's seems to triple cross. Like they're they're getting ready to pull up to the island, and all of a sudden Mysterio's like way ahead, and they're like, "God damn it!" He led us into a trap. Yeah. And then you see Mysterio going, like, they're on their way, they're on their way, and you're like, dog, I was liking you. Yeah. <laughs> well, well it, it, was, it turned out to be a big triple cross. You read this? Did you read this? Yeah. yeah right on. So, yeah, let me get Jubilee. She's in there. And so they, like, come around. You think you see uh, Logan and Jubilee come around the corner, and what? it turns out... Uh, no, 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 no. I want you to explain to me why. Jubilee, that's right. I want you to explain to me why Jubilee is in the future with Old Man Logan. This isn't the future. This is Old Man Logan back in our time. Yeah. But so, okay, no, I missed a lot. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. Dead Man Logan is the now that uh, Logan is back, like Wolverine is back. He's come back to stop. Have, the well, I know there was like, there can only there can be only. I know one. there so was like what was it Galactic up. Logan or whatever. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's a whole different thing. Okay, okay, yeah, no, okay. Phoenix Force Wolverine is a whole different thing. Okay, this is this. 
This is Old Man Logan, his last 12 issues, before uh, they so finally he's say... come back into, you know... There's the, no coming back, he's just here. Well, no, there is a coming back, because Old Man Logan is a future thing. Okay. I gotcha. Jubilee is a past thing as opposed to Old Man Logan because in the original story, Jubilee is someone who joins while Wolverine is still a member of the X-Men. Gotcha. Right now they're together, though, and they're trying to fight this situation. And Jubilee is a part of this little team along with Glob and Hawkeye and Bishop, and I think that's about it for the most part. And Mysterio. So Mysterio makes... uh, the uh, Neo Hydra crew, who pretty much Sinem is Sinister is running. This is all Neo Hydra bases where they're invading. Okay. They make them believe that it's Wolverine and Jubilee coming around the corner, and it turns out it's actually Miss, er, Sin and Crossbones. And Crossbones jumps in front, and Crossbones is dead. Like, boom. That's it. Killed by his own people. This is a, Then you realize that, oh shit, Mysterio is on their side. Right on. He quadruple crossed these bitches. What? Yeah, I mean, nobody said. Right, and he's, he's he's and that's what it is. So after it's all said and done, the 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 X Men and the mutants and and Hawkeye prevail. <laughs> and um, but throughout all of this, Wolverine thinks he gets he finally gets his shot, his one on one shot with Mysterio, despite him helping him carry all this out. Mm. Wolverine has a, or Logan, my bad, not Wolverine, has a bone to pick with Mysterio because the whole reason that Logan is in the situation he's in now is because Mysterio made Logan believe that he was fighting all these bad people and Logan killed all the X-Men. So that's that's what the wasteland is, is Logan killing all the X-Men. So in his head, he's like, I gotta kill Mysterio now so that he doesn't do this thing to this version of Logan. So in his head, he gets that one-on-one. He's like, all right, bub, I got you. And then, boom, claws to the face. Well, as Mysterio does, that's not how he goes out. It was just a ruse. It was was all a ruse just to make Logan believe that he completed his thing. It wasn't to be like, ah, I got you, bitch. It was to be like, all right, your mind's at ease now. Oh, okay. So it's not even like like you said. It's not a, I got you. It's... No, you you think you did this, and then and you, that's, 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 that's as far as the reader is concerned, he thinks he did this. But as, and as far as he's concerned, he thinks he did this. Yeah, and we know that's not how it went. In right. this story, uh, Mysterio is just in a retirement home or not, an abandoned retirement yeah. home. What? Like, just, and then he's trying to live out his life in peace. He's sick of getting beaten up, and <laughs> he got dragged out of this by Miss Sinister, which you know the whole place got you know bamboozled and shot up and everything else, and now he's just finally returning. He's never leaving. I, I, I really like the I like that last panel the with slippers, the boots man. as opposed to the slippers. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Oh, oh, all right. Well, yeah, man, good stuff. To be continued. To be continued. Next up, uh, we're sticking to the theme of Claude Folk. That's twenty-three, number ten. Moving on to Laura. We are Mariko Tamaki, Dago Olortegwe, Walden Wong, and Chris O'Halloran, covered by Ashley Witter. So once again, this is a team that's stuck together from the beginning, and I'll be damned if consistency is not a factor here. I mean, that's a rare thing to see. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I like how they've been able to crank all this stuff out, and the story just gets better and better, or at least doesn't get worse. That's for damn sure. So as we know here, we got this... uh, this new partial cyborg clone, or TUOKS, T-U-O-K-S, as an acronym, as it's been known. 
Um, Gabby and Laura both have different views on it. Gabby wants to be its friend. Laura thinks it's the enemy. Laura gets lured into this trap, and it's way too overwhelming for her. But as we left off in the last issue, Gabby was able to convince two walks that, you know, everything's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, no, uh, Laura gets into this trap. She fucked, but ba-ba-da-da. Look at that fucking action scene. That's pretty dope, right? Podcast listeners. <laughs> um, they come running to action, and it is... This badass whatever, and those two fighting gives Laura the ability to go after the evil Dr. Robert Chandler that lured this trap together, who is responsible for creating these hybrid mutant clone cyborgs. Mm -hmm. And through all of this battling, we realize that, uh, well, let me, let me back up a second. We get what may be my favorite fastball special in all of comic books. The look of joy on Gabby's face as Tuwok throws her through the sky is so much better than any form of emotion. Any more, any, any combination Logan of Colossus, Wolverine, Fastball. Or any other Fastball special that's ever been had. And there's been a few. But her, the look on her face, it just, I, I can't help but smile no matter how many times I look at it. And I will say that this is actually my favorite panel in comics. The Batman Who Laughs thing was number two, or Grim Knight thing was number two. This is my favorite panel. And she flies up, the, you know, she gets tossed in this building, and Tuox, you know, she's able, she's got robot legs, so she just jumps her way up. Right. And then you realize that Tuox takes a flesh wound. But Tuox doesn't have the ability, I know, I see the look on your face. So, like, register that there's pain? Well, no, she doesn't have the ability to actually verbalize and communicate. Oh. So everything is like, type of whatever. C-3PO noise. Oh, not C-3PO, but R2-D2 noise. Hardly anything. It's like motioning towards oh, things. She okay. pretty much like taps on her chest. And even Gabby's like, I don't know what that means. And then she like motions her over into this building, and she's like, check out this button. And Gabby's like, oh, I know what that is. It's a self-destruct thing. Well, you know, it's gotta, you get this emotional moment, and as Laura's trying to jump on the helicopter, Dr. Chandler... Um, you realize, uh, Dr. Chandler's like, check it out, bitch, I got a man and bullets, skadoosh, 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 and then just in the nick of time, um, Tuox jumps up on the helicopter and, you know, takes the whatever needed, to, she, she rips Laura off the helicopter and she's like, no, you're good, and then the button gets pushed, you see all of the other cyborgs like, and that's... Do we, we get no detonation sequence? Yep, no big boom? No. Because that, that's what that seemed like that was leading up to, for sure. Nope. Yep. You totally get a big old fucking detonation. <laughs> <laughs> the helicopter goes boom like a motherfucker. Okay. And then you get them back at home, and they're just like, oh, well, oh, that sucked, you know? And oh, yeah, I'm sure it did. And... Uh, Gabby's looking at all the stuff on the ground, and uh, they're arguing about what to have for dinner and all of that stuff. <laughs> like, you know, this is the typical Gabby and Laura Back type of thing. Yeah. But you realize, uh, you see Gabby, like, trying to write stuff out on this pad and paper, and she's writing out two walks, and she writes out two walks backwards, and then she, like, replaces the K with a C. You get Scout. Scout. That's why the Scout be coming back, y'all. They just named this bitch. She's coming back. Cool. 
That's yeah, my. That's yeah, it, it, definitely, if you name something, it's gonna reoccur, dude. I I still love this story. Is but it? I'm gonna tell you this: don't get your hopes up because reoccurrence through name may be even through flashback. No, it's, it's possible. It's cool. It's whatever. I'm, I'm I'm fine with that. The fact is, is that you know they actually named this thing proper instead of two ox. No, no, they, no. All had, they all they had the same. Well, when you said that at first, I was like, that's that's an acronym or an acronym, and not an act kind of fucking word. word. Well, no, abbreviation would be something else. No, it's it's an anachronism. I, I might not even have the word for that. But, so, yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, something that the, the letters rearranged create another word. Gotcha, okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. You know. Acronym is simply I, I know. Uh, yeah. initials. Yes, yes. But anachronism, I think, is actually... Well, anachronism is only initials that actually... Anachronism. Spell a word. Yes, initialism is actually words that are ju- is just... The initials. Right. An acronym is like if you have. Um, you can say a word. Yeah, exactly. Grammar. Whereas initialism would be like CIA, FBI, right. stuff like that. Sweet. <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah, that's. Uh, PETA would be an anachronism. Or an acronym, sorry. Correct. Right. Moving on. Yeah, yeah words. words. Old Man Quill, number three, Ethan Sachs, Robert Gill, and Andres Mosa. So. The story continues. The crash landing has happened. Oh, man. Quill's um, going to have some running with Doom. Eventually. Not quite yet, though. In the meantime, he arrives onto this planet. Uh, you know, just things so happen to work out the way that does. I'm just going to say, according to Doom's lore, wasn't Doom an old man by the time he encountered Iron Man? This isn't a... Yeah, no, 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 not, not, not... Okay. This is... Different. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, this is, uh, Quill and the Guardians arrive on this town, ta- arrive to the Wastelands, and the townsfolk are very happy to see them. Um, and in the last issue, they, they were able to do something inadvertently to help them out. In the meantime, they want to go buy them a drink. And they're like, oh, shit, you could be the ones to help us, for, or, uh, you know, help protect us. And they're like, wait, protect town us hero. from what? And we get the, air quotes, ghost riders. And they're just pretty much... I mean, they're a biker gang, is what they are. They're here for a bounty on Quill's head. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get, you know, Quill showing his badass in this as an old man. Like, he still knows how to throw a headbutt and a punch. Takes these three guys out. He gives the one of the ladies a chance. And she's like, you're going to regret this. And she runs away. Meanwhile, the Guardians, they make their way out into the desert. They're setting up camp. Rocket goes to take the leak, and he's like, oh, she did have an army. Yep. And they come back, and the Guardians get captured. And instead of getting murdered like they would normally do, you realize that uh, Mr. Taskmaster has uh, different motives. And he pins him up with all of these other old Avengers. Yes. Let the games begin. Yes. So we're getting like this gladiator type of scenario. But against who? Against. Bing, bang, boom. Bing, bang, motherfucking boom. Dude, next issue right. is going to be so dumb. I thought they lost me for a second. And then, because like I did not like seeing Captain America all old. Well, this is the greatest. <laughs> is not Captain America, it's what? Cadet. America. Oh, is that America. what it was? Yeah. No, I was going to say Captain America yeah. all over. What is yeah, that? It's just Captain like, America. It's the guy who decided to put on the Captain yeah. America suit. Captain Sean Connery. Yeah. But old man thin thing, old dragon thin thing phone. 
That right there is some stuff I never thought I'd see. Does Ding Ding Foom age? Really? I mean, that's a good question. He's aged in this for sure. Right, like I, I've got. Oh, you can't see it from here. Like I've got Fin Fang Foom art. Not. Did you guys see that? I'm gonna look this up. No, I, they definitely show age in there. Like they definitely show that he is aged. Right on. I, I I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, the next issue is gonna be a lot of fun. Dude, Fin Fang Foom, I love it. Uh, last Marvel issue that I have to talk oh, about. Wow. Did you know that he was actually created by Stan Lee? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Oh, yeah. Thin Fang Foom go way back. He the shit. 1961. Strange Tales number 89. Goddamn right. Yeah, he's always a yeah. fun villain. And I can't wait to see him in old version to see what he's learned. I think they had that mind control device on him. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he'd be in control for sure. All right. This next issue here, guys, is a big deal. Man, is it a big deal. I've been calling it, and I think uh, I was actually right. I don't know how much of it was me. It was me pretty much agreeing with other people, and I found, I think I picked the right answer is what it came down to. So, to get on with it, we have Avengers No Road Home, the weekly. Number five, Legacy 712, Al Jim Zub, Mark Wade, Sean Izaski, and Marcio Menez. Oh, boy. Alright, so in this one here we get Nyx and her children faltering. And this um, we get a merge between Wanda and Spectrum. We know that Wanda has been blinded. Spectrum has this innate ability that we're still learning about. She can become energy she, in his mind. And then she's able to be able to get into Wanda's mind and recreate the images that she sees in her head which are the images that need to be created for this spell. Right, she can draw this magical city. Exactly. Meanwhile, we get Nightmare along with uh, Hulk, Rocket, and Hawkeye taking on Hypnos in the Nightmare Realm. Hypnos a bitch. And Hypnos, dude, he just, he just gets owned easily. Uh, the two twins are faltering very easily. And it turns out that all of, all of this is enough for... Uh, Nix to be like, dog, you don't know how much I've been holding back. Like, I could totally fuck your world up. Like, I've been playing it so easy on you. And then she just shows how easy she's playing it. Mm -hmm. And she turns uh, um, Vision and Hercules to dust. We see Wanda get sent out to this weird desert planet, and then it dawned on me. I was like, it's going to happen. Still blind. Oh, is that not Scarlet Witch? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's Scarlet Witch, Wanda. Yeah. Okay. And then it dawned on me. I was like, this is it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to happen. You turn the page, and who comes to rescue her? Conan. Oh, my God. No way. It's in Camaria, man. Yeah. To be Conan Tinian. Yeah, oh, that's a great. I'm I'm sorry. I don't care how cheesy it is. That's it's a happening. freaking great. That's yeah. a great exit. Talk to about be he, Conan Tinian. He is she's right here. Conan is officially part of the Marvel universe. I, I'm I'm all about it. Yeah. This is good, good stuff, man. Like that. To me, that's how you wrap out a an overview. But we've got I'm more. All about it. That's it. We got from mainstream. All right. Away from the mainstream, it's time to talk about our up-and-coming indie book this week, right? Yeah. All right, man. As you guys know, we've inadvertently been sent a bunch of uh, indie titles, and we kind of just went through. And as they come along, we we you know we talk about them. Yeah. And, and they want us to make, you know, give them some exposure, and hey, we get to read free comics. Yeah. Well, unexpectedly, we <laughs> we've enjoyed a lot of this stuff. Yeah, and it's cool. So we get a lot of this stuff in a full form for free. 
and um, we get to try to help these guys get up there. So these are all up-and-comings. They're not a part of any major publisher that you're aware of. And this week's is Possession, and the publisher is, say that word? Marcosia. Marcosia. So we've got two issues of this. We've got Possession number one and number two. I think it's easier for us to talk about number two. So right. the title of this is God's Under the, Scr- uh, God's Under the Skin. Tell me who's, uh, you're closer. Michael Norwitz, Mary Ann Vopel, Enrico Carnvale, Andrea Blanco, and letters done by HDE. Right on. So what we're getting here is pretty much more of the characters we got in the first issue. In the first issue, we got a lot of, uh, an introduction. I mean, it was a whole slew of characters. This, this book is supposed to, I mean, it's labeled as a superhero book. I didn't really get that feel in the first issue, but sec- the second issue definitely gives more of that type of... I think we're ramping up to that point. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely ramping up to superheroes, I guess. So it starts out with two of our characters, Javier and Sheila. Uh, they're trying to break out of this weird, like, crackhead room or whatever. Yeah, they've been captured and yeah. junk room, for sure. Sheila's trying to hide that she's magic, I believe, somehow. That's just, like, based off the dialogue. It's like, oh, turn your head, you can't see this. Yeah, yeah, turn your head and close your eyes, and boom! Right. And they make their way out. And so they're on this little chase. They get drove off a road. Yeah, but, like, there seems to be mostly humans, and this is, like, the first time we see, like, this ogre, troll, demon-esque type Yeah, guy. yeah. No, so we're getting some otherworldly stuff. Then in the first issue, I mean, it's more... Uh, I mean, we got tastes of otherworldly stuff in the first issue because it started out, like, very, like, Greek mythology. Yeah, like story getting, of Aphrodite and Ares. Yes, yes. And you realize right off the bat it's going to be a very sexual-based story. Definitely. So um, it kind of... It slows down. I mean, it doesn't come as hard and as heavy as the the first issue does in the second one. Yeah, it definitely ends that way, though. But it definitely ends that way, that's for sure. So we get... Now we're back to another character that was introduced in the first one. Uh, we get this kind of, like, old... Her name's Cora. She's, like, this old cat lady, and she's got this... Uh, Socially awkward, but loves her cat. Right. And she's getting hit on by this Frenchman, and, you know, she she gets talked into getting taken back to her place, and... It gets, uh, uh, her cat suddenly take to him, and he's like, well, what's your secret? I wish they would love me like they love you. Well, I can show you, but first we must be together physically. And, uh, that they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, they yeah. Really, like, manticore-type demon. It's, it's uh, even, like, complete with scorpion tail. Yeah. Holy crap. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah, buddy. It gets... <laughs> It it's a very quick. Alright. Um, there's a little bit of Dark Souls bossery there. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Something like that. And there's so many different side character scenarios happening. We get this Miss Anaya. She's like this musician who goes to this bodega and she's exchanging sandwiches for weed to these homeless people. Yeah, yeah. And, um, then we get, like, the, the the first taste of, uh, was the word being mysticism we get in the story in the first issue with, like, this business character, and we get, like, this ghost-like character hovering over. Yeah. That's really the first taste of magic you get in the story in the first issue. We get a very small taste of that through here, so they're just kind of, like, still picking at points of all these characters, slowly building them up. Um, and then the, uh, the, the end of it, after the whole weird cat lady bestiality bone-in scene, uh, we get huh, our, our back to our original characters, Javier and Sheila, who are referred to as actual, our first real superheroes, and it's Morningstar and El Cadejo. And El Cadejo meaning is like this um, Central American uh, myth 
mythological legend of this wolf, deer, a spiritual creature type of thing. And these guys are living out the, uh, well, they're... They're like the reincarnations of Aphrodite and Ares yes. reunited. And, like, the first thing they do is just bone. Just, yep. just straight up bone. I, it was kind of like a sudden turn of pages. I don't know, it seems a little heroes. Yeah? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's a very, uh, I mean, there's words for it in Japanese for, you know, just kind of, the, it's not quite hentai, but it's an, it's an erotic comic. Well, I would think it's, I, I don't know if this word is a bad word by any means, but I'm going to say smut. Like, this is, yeah. well, smut, the, smut is very, very, very broad. It's a very sexualized comic. Right. I don't, like, the art is fantastic in this, and I love, like, the mythology. But it is heavily sexualized. It is. I think think that's kind of where it loses me. It's not a Justin book. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's the sexuality of it all, but I can definitely see where there's, I mean, I could think of three ex-girlfriends that uh, I could use this book to get into comics. Like, that's for sure. sure. Fair. I mean, this is, like, the comic book equivalent of a romance novel, kind of. I'd definitely say that was the best way to describe this book. It's just an illustrated romance novel. I don't want to say just an illustrated romance novel, but certainly the first thing that came to mind when I read it. The the art style is very reminiscent of how I would see a lot of, like, romance covers, romance novel covers or whatever. So, yeah, no, that's totally on point with that. So once again, this is Possession by Michael Norwitz, Marianne Vampo, uh, Vampo, Enrico Carnival, and Andrea Blanco. So yes, no, thank you so much guys for giving us your, or submitting your book to us. Uh, to all the other indie creators out there, please keep them coming. We we really, really enjoy reviewing your stuff, and we guarantee, even if we are not necessarily the audience for it, we're just, we could probably find someone out there that will enjoy it, for sure. And I know that as far as, you know, adult entertainment goes and all of that good stuff, like, this is probably... Uh, an alley that really hasn't been barked barked down a whole bunch, to be perfectly honest. So for that, thank you so much once again, guys, and uh, we raise a glass to you. Cheers. I'm gonna have to apologize. Actually, we lost. Uh, this is I uh, lost two out of uh, two of the three of the hosts. Um, unforeseen circumstances arose, so it is down to just me, Brian Wayne, at this point to carry on. But thankfully, we got all of the important opinions and stuff out of the way at this point. It's just kind of, you know, letting you know what's coming. But first, I do want to talk about the wall books because they were certainly pretty this week. And two out of three of them were art germ status. One of them was Catwoman number nine. And it's just her sinking down from, uh, slinking down from the ceiling. I think she's in an upside-down stance based off the Batman painting being upside down. But art germ and Catwoman strike again. And we also get another Art Germ Supergirl variant, Supergirl number 28. So just as pretty, this time without the cat, like the last one. But I will go ahead and just blatantly say my cover of the week goes to the variant for the Grim Knight number one. It's the Gabrielle Delato cover. This thing is gorgeous and easily takes the cover of the week. If I had to give my pick of the week... Off the top of my head, it would probably be... Oh, I don't know. 
It, it's really hard to say. Uh, it'd almost be too easy for me to say Murder Falcon, but I would actually probably say Amazing Spider-Man. You know what? Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man. I was I was impressed with the Craven story. So yes, this whole hunted arc that's going to happen. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, that that team gets my my overall book of the week. My interiors of the week. Oh boy. Um, I actually have to go with uh, Iron Man and or Tony Stark Iron Man number nine with the how half the book just goes vintage and we get that old school style with the roller blades or roller skates and all of that. It's just perfect. It kind of it really took me took me by surprise and I I love it for it. So yes, no. Once again, this segment yeah, it's so much shorter when it's just one. It's weird how that works. But at this point, uh, let's let's move on to what is coming out next week, and it is there's it's gonna be a lot of stuff to talk about again. So let's start out with Dark Horse. We get more Hellboy. We get BPRD Double You Know Number Fourteen, Mike Mignola and Scott Alley, along with Lawrence Campbell. So once again, that is Dark Horse Comics. Uh, we can jump right into DC. We get Aquaman number 46, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Robson Rocha along with Daniel Enriquez. So Aquaman continues on. I believe there's some supposed chatter about an origin of something or a first appearance possibly. Not totally sure. Uh, more DC Batman number 67, Tom King and Lee Weeks. So maybe they're finishing out this Nightmare Saga, possibly? Hard to say. Uh, Justice League number 20, Scott Snyder and Jorge Jimenez. You know I'm reading that. Naomi number 3, Brian Michael Bendis, David F. Walker, and Jamal Campbell. There's talks of a new character being introduced into the DC Universe, so speculation. Uh, Nightwing number 58, Scott Lobdell, Zach Kaplan, and Chris Mooneyham. So I've been hooked on Nightwing since the beginning. I don't know if, you guys, if I've actually shared this with you guys. My first taste into actually subscribing to a DC comic was Tim Seeley's Nightwing Rebirth. So Nightwing is actually my longest-running DC comic that I've, I've read. So, yeah, in case you didn't know that. Teen Titans number 28, Adam Glass... And Bernard Chang. American Carnage, number five. Brian Hill, Leonardo Fernandez. It is a big DC week. We're into the DC Vertigo stuff now. Um, High Level, number two. Rob Sheridan and Barnaby Bagenda. I believe Justin was into that one. Uh, Lucifer, number six. Dan Waters, Max Fuamara, and Sebastian Fuamara. More DC Vertigo. I'm absolutely hooked on Lucifer at this point. The pacing is... Awesome, it's super creepy, it's everything out of... I want out of a book called Lucifer. Uh, but uh, let's move into IDW now. we got a Dungeons & Dragons, a Darkened Wish, number one, Dave Walters and Tess Fowler. I'm sure Justin would be all over that one. It's a shame, I'm sure he'd be gushing if he knew that was coming out. Uh, the ongoing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles continue on. Number 92, Tom Waltz, Kevin Eastman, and Michael Dialanis. Probably said that wrong. Sorry. And let's move into Image. Oh, it's a fun Image week. We got more Bitterroot. Number 5, David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green. 
We've got more farmhand. Rob Gilroy and Taylor Wells. You bet your bottom buck. I'm reading farmhand. I'm so excited it's back. Uh, Middle West, number five, Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. It's been an amazing ride so far. Hopefully we get some some questions answered, but if not, whatever. Still got me. Yeah. Um, uh, we're getting part two of the amazing Nightcrawler from the Age of X-Men stuff, so Shonda McGuire and Warren Figueroa. More Avengers No Road Home, number six, Al Ewing. Jim Zub and that whole team along with Sean Izaizaki. So will we see more? We got Scarlet Witch with uh, Conan now, so that's pretty fucking exciting if you ask me. That's for damn sure. Avengers number 17, Jason Aaron and David Marquez. So, of course, y'all know I'm reading <laughs> anything Jason Aaron. It's needless to say, Avengers is one of my favorite books right now. We've got Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, number four, Tom Taylor and Juan Cabal. Guardians of the Galaxy, number three, Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw. So we're going to get our first look at the dark Guardians of the Galaxy. We know Cosmic Ghost Rider went off and started his own thing from the Guardians. And so now we've got an official, uh, unofficial title to this new team, possibly. I don't know. Uh, Mortal Hulk, number 15, Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. We're going to get a reintroduction to a character that was introduced in issue two, I believe, is how the, the speculation floats about in the world of comics. Uh, all right, more Spider-Man. We got City at War, number one, Dennis Hopeless and Michael Bandini. So this is bringing in the video game Spider into um, Marvel Comics. So this is kind of a big deal, I believe. Miles Morales, number four, Saladin Ahmed, and Javier Garon. So I've already expressed my my likeness for Javier or Saladin Ahmed's Miles Morales earlier when we were talking about Miss Marvel. So of course I'm reading this Spidey title as well. Uh, more Spider-Man. We get a Chip Zdarsky, Mark Bagley thing that's been teased for a while. Zdarsky's very proud of this. We get Spider-Man life story. So we're gonna get. Um, Spider-Man throughout the decades type of deal is how I understand all of this. More Uncanny X-Men, number 14, Matthew Rosenberg and Salvador La Roca. Venom, number 12, Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. Of course, we're reading Venom. Uh, West Coast Avengers, number 9, Kelly Thompson, Gang Yuck, Lim. So, unfortunately, we're, we're ending all of that soon, but we've still got a few more issues in the meantime, so enjoy it while you can. Buy lots. Maybe Marvel will change their mind and they'll put it back into production again. Let's, we can only hope, right? I really enjoy that book. Uh, last thing I have in Indies is going to be... Exo Man of War, number 25, Matt Kent and Tomas Gorillero. Definitely said that wrong. So I believe this is the end of Exo. We're going to have to wait a, a little bit, and we're going to get a, another re-spark, I believe. So another volume coming, perhaps. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is going to be the final Exo issue of this run. So, that is what I'm excited for. It's a shame that everyone had to... Bail, it's weird how all that worked out, but 
Things happen. My most anticipated book of the week is going to go to probably The Avengers, just because, I mean, it's it's been extremely consistent throughout. The, the War of the Vampires continues on. It's been absolutely amazing. So, with all of that being said, I do believe we have a podcast in the books. So, thank you to our creators of the indie title that we shouted out this week, which was Possession. We'd like to remind you guys to follow us on all of the major out- or platforms you listen to your podcast, Podbean, Spotify, Apple, Google, all that good stuff. Find us on Twitter, reach out to us, send us your comics, same thing with Facebook. You guys know how to work technology. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening, and you nerds read responsibly. Thank you, and good night.